Blog Talk Radio. I've been waiting 
for this moment all of my life. You know what I mean? Um, just some brief background history. In 1999, I came across uh, a VHS because it wasn't DVDs back then. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I came across a VHS via the brother Shabazz of the esteemed scholar Ashra Kwesi, and I could easily say that it stopped me in my tracks and changed my life. You feel me? I had no yeah. idea when that brother took took us to Kemet via the video and showed us the historical proof of the biblical falsehoods right on the wall in Kemet. You know what I mean? I pretty much put everything down and dedicated my life to a life of consciousness after that. You know what I'm saying? It woke me up. So, you know, in that spirit, roughly a a decade later, here we are, you know, opening the lines and speaking to the brother and sharing this information and bringing it to the rest of the world. You know what I mean? Which is what it's all about. Yeah, well, you know, that's how it works. You know what I'm saying? I remember you running up on me telling me about the brother. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, look, we got proof. We got proof. And I was I was blown away when I saw it myself. So I definitely I concur with what you're saying, that I waited for this moment for a very long time. But what we're not going to do is talk everybody's head off because the family came to hear the master teacher, so we're going to bring the master teacher in. I want to say first and foremost, peace to the family who have joined us on the line. And, um, you know, you know, just hold on and just prepare yourselves for a powerful show. Absolutely. No doubt. All right, so I'm about to open line 214. Peace, No the Ledge Radio. Hey, Hotel Brother, how you doing? Hotel, Hotel, how are you? Good, brother. Great to be on your show. Yes, sir. Good. It's, it's been an honor to have you. Absolutely, Definitely. brother. Peace. Peace, my brother. Am I talking to uh, Red Pill and Blue Pill? <laughs> you absolutely are. You yes, absolutely sir. are. Speaking to the Red Pill and the Blue Pill. This is Nona Ledge Radio. We are broadcasting to the world. So, well, are we in the Matrix, brother? Yes, we surely are. <laughs> the Matrix of white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, but we're about to put a glitch and in the Matrix tonight. And all the beats that they carry with them. <laughs> you know, we're about to put a glitch in the Matrix tonight with this information. Mm-hmm. Because, like I was telling my brother, the information resonates, man. You know what I'm saying? In 1999, I don't know if you heard the story that I opened up with. But, um, uh, no, brother. I just I just tuned in. Yeah. I got a VHS of one of your trips to Kemet. And um, uh-huh. it, it basically changed my life. You know what I'm saying? I was still on the fence with this one foot in, one foot out. And it stopped me dead in my tracks when I saw... You bring us to the walls in Kemet and show the historical proof of Ramsey splitting the Red Sea and them falling in, the Hyksos, and, you know, a few other stories that just really resonated with me. You know what I'm saying? It, it kind of it um, confirmed what I was told throughout my life by my elders, and I erroneously chose to ignore, you know, because I was in the Matrix. Mm. So well, I did, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead, my brother. And I'm sure that there's thousands of people that share the same story throughout this world due to what you've been putting down and the shoulders that you stand on. Well, you're absolutely right, my brother. I have to go back to uh, my early days, okay? Uh, You know, we all 
come through the same thing. And like uh, one of my early teachers, Brother Khaled Muhammad, used to say, uh, mm. the same dog bit you, bit me too. <laughs> okay, uh, back in the uh, 70s uh, when I used to uh, listen to him in uh, L.A. at uh, Temple uh, at uh, Topographical Center. But uh, even going back to an earlier period, I have to mention another grandmaster teacher, Dr. Joseph Inyakinen, who I heard him at uh, Long Beach State uh, back in the uh, 70s. And uh, one of the things he said uh, when I said, Dr. Ben, can you prove this, just like yourself, you know, hearing this for the first time, and uh, I said, can you prove this? He said, young man, not only can I prove it, but I can take you back and show you. So wow. at that point, uh, going back to Africa was always a dream, uh, you know, especially when he said, I can take you and show you. No one never said that before. You know, most people right. just talked about things, but they couldn't validate uh, what they talked about and definitely couldn't show visual documentation to validate their claim. Uh, so that uh, that dream came uh, true in uh, 1981, and I made my uh, expedition with Dr. Ben. And let me give uh, another recognition to another grandmaster teacher who was on that uh, journey with us, and that was Dr. John Henry Clark. Uh, wow. Dr. Jeffries, in fact, uh, many were on that, uh, on that trip. Dr. Jeffries was also on that trip in 1981. I, being a very young man at that time, uh, uh, 27 years old. I did not know at that time that I would travel with Dr. Ben uh, nonstop uh, for 14 years. Uh, that's one of the things he impressed upon me. We've got to do the field research. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, a great inspiration. And uh, at that time, I did not know. I traveled to the Sudan, Maserat, uh, Medway, and Naga, and up to the highlands. In fact, I was with him when he uh, returned back to uh, his village up in Gunder in Ethiopia back in 1982. And I uh, also uh, traveled all the way to the foothill, the mountain of the moon, uh, with him. Uh, that's Kilimanjaro. So on his book, uh, that whole 4,000, approximately 200 miles of the now, uh, that book he wrote in 1972, uh, The Black Man of the Now, uh, never imagining that uh, you know, I would travel uh, you know, that now with him, as well as the Abai, the Art Bar, the Abai been the Blue Nows, it's called today, uh, also the Art Bar, and traveling these uh, regions of Africa. Which is the uh, you know the root of the African culture of uh, Kemet that we call uh, Egypt today, where we can see the culture you know coming up out of, of that region of the land. So that's uh, an experience that I would not cha change for uh, nothing in the world. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to work on is a documentary experience that I have with Dr. Ben. I have a lot of footage and everything that I got to put to use, but uh, just trying to show, slow myself down and uh, put that together. So, uh, you know, but Dr. Ben, uh, being uh, 94 years old, still with us, yes. still strong, spirit still strong, and I uh, just saw him, uh, you know, uh, when uh, just uh, over the summer there, when, uh, you know, in the spirit, uh, you know, still still going strong as we converse to, you know, and talk about, and it always try to bring up some of the memories, so I know he would have fond memories of some of the experiences that we had in the, uh, the Nile Valley together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I know, you know, we have varying influences, you know what I'm saying, that pretty much motivate us to do what we do and influence, uh, you know, our contributions. But would you say that Dr. Ben had a more profound influence on your studies and your mission, or would it be Brother Sheikh Antibia? Well, I would have to say without question, you know, of course I can't, I got to give recognition to Dr. Sheikh Antibia, but I have to say Dr. Ben because that was hand-on hands -on right. experience. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, Dr. Ben, uh, you know, over the years he saw my uh, my spirit, okay, was into the knowledge. In fact, uh, 
it was in 1985 that he actually saw my first lecture at one of the ASCAD conference. In fact, it was the first ASCAD conference. The first ASCAD conference was held in Los Angeles in 1985, and Dr. Ben was there. I traveled up to that point with him. Uh, Dr. Ben, after the lecture, uh, you know, he was very inspired by the information that I had revealed. So he actually saw the work that I, you know, that I wasn't just going over being a looky-loo and, and uh, you know, not uh, taking in the information. So uh, that was the point where he mentioned to me, uh, are you going back to Kemet this year? At that time, I told Dr. Ben I wouldn't be able to make it. You know, my family was growing and, and everything, and uh, the finances were getting tight. And he said, don't worry about it. If you can go, I'd like for you to be, you know, with me in the field. So uh, that's how I started working with him. I actually started uh, doing the, uh, the field uh, information with the, with the groups, and he would lecture in the hotel. He saw that my spirit was very connected with the temples and so forth, and he, of course, made sure that I would point out certain things in the field. And then um, when we came back to the hotel, he would talk and lecture on when, when he asked me to show the people in the field. So that's how oh, it started wow. to work. So I have to say Dr. Ben was key uh, on hands-on, you know, whereas Dr. Chikantadiop, it was you know, pretty much through his works, his books. I ne actually never met him personally, uh, never met Dr. Chikantadiop. Whereas Dr. Ben, it was uh, a hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. So I liken that to Morpheus. He pulled you out the Matrix. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> with, uh, yeah, we are in the Matrix of white supremacy. I call it the white supremacy spider web, you know, uh, just like an insect flies into the spider web. He doesn't know what's happening, but the spider knows what's happening. He watches him struggle, and then he goes, he doesn't eat him, but he sucks his insides out, but the likeness of the insect is still there. So there's a likeness of uh, of us as an African people who are still here, but we're right. caught up in the matrix of the spider web. <laughs> so there's, we're talking about a shell. And that yeah, shell, shell is an African. And in order to fill that shell with a particular volume, you know what I mean, that takes information, that takes inspiration, that takes light, a, a, a lot of which you have already contributed to the family, but our understanding is you just came back from Kush uh, yes, uh, we do uh, 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 Kush, or Ethiopia, as it's called uh, today, uh, in the winter, and we do uh, Ethiopia, uh, Ethiopia in the winter and Egypt in the summer. And uh, this year actually was my 30th year, okay, going back to the African continent. Uh, you know, this is nonstop, by the way. And uh, also, especially this year was special, okay, in Addis Ababa, uh, they uh, contacted me. Actually, uh, Addis Ababa University contacted me last year, but unfortunately our schedule could not permit me lecturing at Addis Ababa. So this year uh, they contacted me again, and I made sure that uh, my schedule uh, could, uh, you know, make sure that I got a lecture in there. So I lectured at Addis Ababa University. In fact, my wife and I both lectured at Addis Ababa University on uh, Ethiopia from the ancient Kushites to the Black Lions. She lectured on the Black Lions. I lectured on uh, ancient Kush. And that was a great inspiration, uh, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we're taking the groups back, we're doing the tours, uh, but actually connecting with the community of Addis Ababa, connecting with the brothers and sisters, and, and here at Addis Ababa uh, University being a historic university because that is the former palace of Haile Selassie. Okay, so that was a, a great honor to lecture in the hall of uh, Ross McCannon, okay, so that you know, that was a, a great, great experience uh, that I can't even put in words. Of all the lectures, okay, of, of lecturing throughout the U.S., uh, uh, in England, in the Caribbean, in Canada, and many places throughout the years, I think that was the height, okay, of the lecture, uh, lecturing at Addis Ababa University to the brothers and sisters, 
right there in Addis Ababa. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the receptivity, are they very receptive? They were highly the receptive. They were highly receptive to the information. Uh, okay. In fact, uh, it was to my shock uh, that they that they even knew me. They knew me. <laughs> okay, I was really surprised that they actually knew me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, but they you know they'd seen my work, the ancient Kush in Ethiopia, and uh, that's one of the reasons why they wanted me over there. Uh, but again, they saw the work of how I tied in the whole African culture of the Nile Valley, uh, looking at uh, ancient Ethiopia, which is the mother of Kemet, or the mother of what we call Egypt today. Uh, there I showed the cultural highway, uh, you know, show how not only the happy Nile, called the white Nile today, but the Abai, the blue Nile, as well as the Akbar, that meets up with the happy Nile, and how that culture carried down the Nile. And there I was able to, you know, reveal that information. Uh, there in Ethiopia, I, to, what, in 2006, I went to the dawn of time in Ethiopia, going down to the most southern part of Ethiopia. Now, I, now this is not the regular tour. This right. is the tour that I select certain brothers to go on this tour because I know everybody can't make this kind of tour. Okay, uh, this is, uh, you know, where brothers and sisters, uh, you know, are living, you know, nothing has changed, okay, in their cultural way of life. There's no Western influence on them. Okay, they're living their life that's no different than 20,000 years ago. Uh, so with the everything hammer and the, excuse me, everything is preserved. Everything is preserved. But there, by studying the culture of uh, Ethiopia and studying the reliefs of ancient Kemet, I was able to make a comparative analysis. Right. Okay, to show how it came up out of the south. So that's what a lot of the brothers and sisters were impressed with at Addis Ababa University, where a lot of the Ethiopian culture, which they're familiar with, okay they did not know that uh, a lot of this was on the temples of Egypt. So I did those types of comparisons to show the whole cultural highway as the civilization passed down to now. But at the same time, you know, dealing with uh, the Sudan, which was part of ancient Ethiopia. Uh, what we see as Valley uh, al or meaning the land of the blacks, as it's called in the Arabic, but that was ancient Ethiopia as well. It was called Kush. Uh, the name Ethiopia that we speak of today, we find it in the Iliad and the Odyssey of Homer. Okay, that uh, when we look at the Greeks, okay, referring to the land of Ethiopia, which they get the name from uh, Ethiopia, and Ethiopia was one of the Ethiopia was one of the Aksumite uh, kings of uh, Ethiopia. So that's how they derived the name. They were the Black uh, Aksumites. Uh, so this is how we have the name today. But it goes back to ancient Kush, and then we have other names. Okay, like Tasseti the land of the bow. Now, this is a very important area uh, because right south of Abu Simbel, uh, in the present-day area of Wadi Halfa, uh, here Keith Seal and Bruce Williams did excavations there, and in that area they were able to validate that the uh, civilization of Kemet, or Egypt as it's called today, came from the south. Okay, prior to that, all the Europeans were saying that the civilization came from some Europeans, okay, uh, uh, or also from some Asians that came from the Tigris Euphrates, or you know, giving recognition, you know, either to Europeans or Asians, right. but not giving recognition to the African civilization that predated both Asian and the European culture. Uh, so uh, there, Tasseri validated that uh, prior to uh, Europeans flooding that area out. Keith Seal and um, Bruce, uh, well, it was actually Keith Seal, but Bruce Williams, okay, continued to follow up on the research and documentation of Tasseti of 26,000 years. But one of the areas that I take our group, okay, and what is now called Aswan in the museum, 
there they have a plate. It's not revealed by National Geographic. It's not revealed by Discovery. Uh, then you're not going to see this on, uh, you know, these uh, documentary uh, uh, stations. There right. they give a time period of uh, 55,000 to 65,000 years ago in the area of Wadi Halfa or the area of Tasseti where Keith Seal did that excavations at. Now, this is a serious time period here, okay, showing, you know, an occupation of Africans' presence in that area. Why is it a serious time? Because when you go to the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., the Cro-Magnon Man, that would be the European man, okay, dating his own time period at that time period of 20,000 years. That's, that means African people were building and starting an early civilization at 55,000 to 65,000 years ago, and the Cro-Magnon or European man is starting at 20,000 years ago. Tassetti was already there at 26,000 years ago. So this is, this is very serious uh, information, and that's one of the things I always say, some that I've been saying over the years that somebody knows something about Africans that they don't want Africans to know about themselves. But after all, we have to deal with the fact that all the excavations that they have done in that area, it's not mean of uh, early uh, anthropological studies I'm talking about now. They're not right. coming from Europe. They're not coming from Asia. They're coming from Africa. Uh, with the sister named Dick Nish, who, you know, Johansson and others call her Lucy, but now also you have Adultu, who a whole family, a brother and, and uh, a sister and a child, were also uh, excavated in the far region of Ethiopia, dating back 160,000 years ago. Oh. And, and uh, in the National History Museum in Addis Ababa, they show Adultu. In fact, he looks just like the brother next door to me. <clears throat> so again, no matter, like, just like National Geographic said, every time they kick over a rock in Africa, they have to rewrite the textbooks. So the earliest right. anthropological studies is all coming up out of the Nile Valley. That's why, you know, Cush uh, plays a major importance uh, and why we have to look at Cush. Now, in my early years with Dr. Ben, uh, now, last time I was down into the Sudan was back in 1984. Now, we know about the political situation in Sudan today. We know about Sharia. Sharia is a Muslim law where, you know, they have all type of restrictions and, and so forth. Uh, but the one thing about the monuments in Maserat, Naga, and Medaway, they are still there, uh, although some of them have, were plundered by Europeans, okay, uh, Reasoner and, and other Europeans who did, you know, excavations, uh, you know, in that area. But many of the temples are still under the sand. Uh, oh. Keep in mind when you look at the temples of Kemet and you look at uh, Ipet-Rasut or Karnak and you look at Ipet-Rasut or Luxor, and even though we go to those areas and even though – we walk in those temples. Those temples were not like that in the early 1900s. They were under the sand. The line mark on the pylon still shows where those pylons slightly were above the, the sand. Many of those temples were covered up. They were only dug out to make tourist dollars. I have even seen the change over my 30 years of going back there, or 29, it'll be 30 years this summer going back to Kemet. I have seen the change in, in Egypt and how the tourism, okay, and how they're, you know, trying to mainly preserve the monuments, not to tell and to reveal the information, but they see that it's a big moneymaker, it's a big tourist business. 45% of the gross national product of Egypt depends on tourism. Right. Uh, so, again, one thing about the Sudan, we can look at that, you know, uh, the tourist business is not that big. Maybe it should stay that way because many of the structures and temples are, 
are preserved, and uh, maybe they'll stay that way, but at the same time, they are threatened, like uh, some of the monuments were threatened in Egypt, like Abu Simbel, uh, the Colossals dedicated uh, to Araharakte that was built by Ursa Ma'ad Ra, Septep, and Rabbi Meso Murray Amin, those four Colossals there, one that was fallen by an earthquake, as they say. But that was uh, removed, restructured, set up 600 feet and back 200 feet. If they had not restructured that great monument, that 100-foot facade and 65 feet Colossals, that would be under the water, under the Nile right now. But the 200 pyramids, there are more pyramids in the Sudan than yes. there are in Egypt. These 200 pyramids are now threatened because Sudan, the Sudanese government, is now talking about uh, building a dam. Just like the Lake Nasser Dam is equally has flooded out, as I said before, uh, many of the uh, Ta-Nehisi and Nubian monuments. So now we've got 200 pyramids as well as monuments that may be under the water forever. Oh. Like we see many of the treasures of Nubia, they are now under the water. Only the ones that they decided to save, like Abu Simbel and uh, some others in Kolobolo and other areas, uh, you know, but, but some of the others, they did not remove them all. Wow. Now, it's funny you mention that. To your knowledge, was, um, was Kemet ever underwater? Well, let's go back to the early uh, history of uh, Kemet. And we go back to the early history of Kemet. And we go back to, you know, the early, you know, some of the Greek writings, okay, that have been passed down. You know, some of these early Greeks were some of the <clears throat> early Greek, Greeks who came in and talked to some of the Kari Hebs, or the priest of Kemet. And they right. talked about the origins of Kemet. And they talked about that actually that Egypt was at one time uh, underwater, okay, that it was uh, filled in, and this is done still to this day, it was filled in by the Nile carrying the topsoil from the interior of Africa. So this is a story that is uh, part of the ancient uh, history of Kemet. In fact, uh, Drusilla Dungey Houston uh, talks about this, uh, where Doradus speaks of in his book three, that the Ethiopians were a colony. I mean, the Ethiopians say the Egyptians are a colony drawn out of them by Asar. And that, e that Kemet was formerly no part of the continent, but a sea at the beginning of the world. And that it was from the topsoil that the Nile carrying the topsoil, kind of like the Mississippi Delta, like in uh, Louisiana, you know, that land is filled in from the Mississippi carrying the topsoil from down the river. So the same thing we see with this 4,000, approximately 200 miles of the Nile, that topsoil is carried as the flow of the Nile flowing from the highlands, okay, the highlands meaning the Kilimanjaro and Renzori, and also the highlands of Ethiopia, as I said, Lake Tana, the Abai, or called the Blue Nile today, the Atbar. Here, carrying this uh, soil, as well as the water, that filled in Egypt. You can see that in the delta, when you look at the delta of Egypt and see that that is the land is filled in from the land, the soil that came from the interior of Africa. And this is the writings of the Rodotus that, uh, uh, that talks about, the Karihead priest talked about how Asar, who came from ancient Kush, he came from uh, ancient Ethiopia, and, and brought the knowledge into the land of, uh, of uh, Kemet that we know as Egypt today. Now let's keep in mind, when we say Kemet, we're speaking of, it literally means black, okay? And the symbol that they used for Kemet represented charcoal, Blackest substance. Now, in lower Kemet, that is called Tameri. 
southern Kemet, that is called Tanihisi, that Strabo says Nubia. We get Nubia from Strabo. Nubia means land of the gold, because the gold is coming from the south. But just like we have lower Egypt, which is the north, okay, and the Delta region, which is Tamari, the southern Tanahisi, you also have that with Kush as well. Kush, you have Wawet for upper Kush. Southern Kush is called Punt. This was the land that Kemet referred to as the Taneter land. What is the Taneter land? The Taneter land is the land of God. This was the land that they saw as the spirit land. They knew where they came from. They knew that this was the land of Amun, the spiritual deity that was called at that time. Now, in the area of Kush, you have the sacred mountain dedicated to Amun, okay, called Juwa, that the Arabs called Jebel Now, this is important because here we see the spiritual deities are coming up from Kush, coming up from Kush. And here we see that coming up from Kush, and then we see the cultures carried down into the daughter, which is Egypt. So we look at Ipidasut, that temple that is dedicated to Amun. But at the same time, at the foot of Jua, there was a temple dedicated to Amun right there. Now, again, Amun represents the invisible spirit that's in all of us, the invisible spirit that permeates throughout all the universe. The image of Amun is jet black. Now, why is Amun jet black? One, he's jet black. I've been to the region of the Sudan. These brothers and sisters are jet black, okay? Right. Jet black. So they send Amun in their own image, but also the spiritual relationship with Amun is an anthropomorphic or human form of God represented also as the universe itself. Meaning okay. that the, the invisible spirit that permeates, permeates throughout all the universe, the invisible spirit that's all around us, okay, everything is coming out of blackness. So this is another reason why Amun was also portrayed as black. Now, it's interesting that uh, we see nuclear physicists are now talking about this thing called black matter. Yes, 90% right. of, yeah, of the universe. 10% of right. Right, so here they're talking about this black matter is all around us. Okay, it's the invisible energy that's all around us. Isn't that what our ancestors referred to, Amun? Is the invisible spirit, the invisible energy that's all around us? So here we see uh, that's coming up out of the south. That's why it's very important in understanding Kemet, you've got to go to the, uh, to the interior of Africa. We've got to see how our ancestors saw the zoomorphic form, the zoop types, okay, and how they saw the spiritual relationship with Matnechit. This is called Mother Nature. And how from their empirical observation, they were able to derive spiritual ideas from the zoomorphic form. Well, Europeans never understood Mother Nature or Mother Nature. Only thing they saw was the destruction of trying to destroy Mother Nature. So when they looked at Kemet, they looked at it as pagan, heathen, or something negative connotation. So people would not see the spiritual relationship with how they were conveying ourselves with one with Matnechit and how the certain attributes that they saw in nature and the animal form. It had nothing to do with animal worship. And it's right. this negative connotation that has been put on Kemet to this very day. For instance, when I was with Dr. Ben in the Serengeti Plains back in the 80s and we were in Kenya and a Land Rover got stuck and we, you know, were about, uh, about I don't know, a few hundred feet or about 50 feet from the lions we weren't paying attention you know you're not 
thinking about, hey, we're out here with nature. But the, the lion, we jumped out the Land Rover to get the Land Rover out the ditch, and the lions picked up our scent. And it roared. It stood up and roared, you know, because as long as you're in the Land Rover, yeah, but you get out that Land Rover, the lion will let you know. <laughs> so we right. roared. Rah! You know, so we hit the Land Rover all at one time, everybody trying to get in. But that experience taught me something, because as the lion roared, its mane flared out. Everything moved, scattered. You see the birds, you know, flying from the trees. That told me how nature gave us our language system, how they took the roar of the lion, Ra, and looked right. at the mane when it roared and looked at the sun when it rose and said, that is the sun called Ra. Because as the sun rises in the morning, called Kepara, transformation has taken place. You see the glare, the flare out of the sun. So the sun became Ra. That told me how our ancestors took from nature to give us our language. The very words that we're speaking today came up from the ancient Kushites, from the dawn of time, going back to a long, even before the, the great uh, monuments were built, and how our ancestors were able to uh, pull the spiritual relationship from the, that they saw from their own empirical observation with Matnechit and tie it, it all together. And these are some of the things that I saw when I was in Jinka. Now, we didn't stay in hotels and all this kind of thing, okay? This was a special trip where we had to stay in uh, tents. Uh, we were out there with the alligators and the lions, oh. and I was sleeping at night. I kept hearing it. I said, I asked a scout, oh, what was that noise? He said, those were the lions. Now, these uh, lions are called black lions in Ethiopia, okay? They're smaller than the Serengeti Plains lions, okay? They, they're, uh, they're called more of a, a good brother of mine, uh, Named uh, Sutensilos, we call uh, uh, ambush lions because they they ambush you from the grass. <laughs> you just walk up on them, you know. But uh, we weren't out there like that. We had to be very careful being out there. But uh, you know, we were at the dawn of time. But all of this, this is how we have to uh, look at Africa. You know, we have to. You know, uh, a lot of us. You know, yes, it's great to go go back to Kemet. You know, but of course you got the five star hotels, and most of us. When we go back to Africa, most of us want to have an American backpack. Uh, you know, we want all these things. But, of course, to really know and understand what you see on those monuments and temples and how our ancestors related to Africa and see the spiritual deities, the Netarus on those temples, everything is re on those temples are related from the interior of Africa. It has nothing to do with Asia. It has nothing to do with Europe. You don't see any animals on the temple from Europe, and you don't see none from Asia. They're all from the interior of Africa. And all of them had a relationship with they observed and the nature of that animal, like one of the most powerful symbols, like Ma'at. You know, the, 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 the church in the Middle Ages try to make Ma'at docile. And there, there's some out here today trying to make Ma'at docile. You'd be Ma'at, 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 Ma'at. But you've got to understand, what is Ma'at? Ma'at is to ward off chaos. Why would they use the ostrich bird's feather to represent the spiritual netert, or goddess, that represented the cosmic law? Because the ostrich bird, running from the hyena, one seeing the hyena after an ostrich bird, you would say that, hey, inevitable, that ostrich bird don't have a chance. No. That ostrich bird would take as our ancestors observed this nature, bow, get down, which many Europeans thought he stuck his head in the, in the dirt, in the ground. No, he didn't do that. 
he got down to make it look like that he was wounded or he submitted to the attack of the hyena. Right when the hyena was about to uh, attack him, he would have to have a precise kick that he could kill the hyena. And even a lion, he can disavow a lion with one kick. So they saw that as warding off chaos. So the sutan, or the king, represented the symbol always given to him on the temple was the symbol of Ma'at. Ward off chaos, destruction, evil, isfet. When some low-life trifling, hyena, lion, stealing, corrupting, manipulating type of element comes up among you, some agent-type person, who will try to deceive the minds of the people that will come out of nowhere. But it's that principle of Ma'at that wars off chaos so the people can see the evil that's coming, the that evil that's coming among us to stare up, to detour the people away from the truth. That's what Ma'at is. So in the interior of Africa, or in the southern part of Ethiopia, when I was in Jinka, one beautiful thing also about that feather of Ma'at is seeing our hammer, brothers and sisters, wearing that tall feather of Ma'at on their head. And then looking as I flash back to the temples and seeing that same feather carved in stone as I see our brothers and sisters deep down into Ethiopia. So where is the culture coming from? Oh. Everything that you're seeing on those temples, when you look at those tankwas, boats that you see carved on the temples, of Kemet, there when I was in the Lake Tana area and seeing the brothers and sisters still using the tankwas as they were crossing Lake Tana back and forth, the same tankwa boats that Heiderdahl, that uh, a, a European named Heiderdahl, who observed them in the Cairo Museum and said these are the same boats that Africans came across the Atlantic Ocean on. But he actually made one of those tankwas boats made from the papyrus weed when he came across the Atlantic Ocean as Abubakari did in West Africa, as, as well as Nico, who equally came across, the, who, who commissioned his general, excuse me, Hanno, to, to circumnavigate Africa long before Vasco da Gama, but he also came across the Atlantic Ocean with those tanker boats. That's why we've got to do the field research, getting into the culture and how our ancestors dealt with various signs and symbols and how they observed from their own empirical observation of Mutnechit and what they saw, and how our spirituality developed out of Mutnechit, not with some religion incarcerating you into some man-made belief, but how our ancestors used the natural observation of life itself. This is what they saw. And it's from these great sutans kings and queens, and the Turks and Natur. That means gods and goddesses. Where we had that spiritual balance that came up out of the interior of Africa. So these are the types. So this is why the brothers and sisters at Addis Ababa University had a great inspiration. Because, you know, I wasn't coming there talking about just Kemet and had no knowledge of Kush or no knowledge of ancient Ethiopia. They saw that I was dealing with the heartbeat coming up out of the very land where they are in Ethiopia. So it was a great standing ovation. It was a great inspiration, breaking that information down to the brothers and sisters and showing how all this came up out of Nile Valley. And even though 
they are all around it, and what you see in the culture of Ethiopia is on carved on the monuments and temples even to this day. My question is, uh, did, did they capture that? Did you capture that event on tape or DVD? Which one? The, the, the lecture? Yes, in Ethiopia. Oh, yes, I have the lecture from Ethiopia, yes. Mm-hmm. I have some Ethiopian brothers, that uh, Ethiopian restaurant that I eat at, that um, I, I want to definitely get it from you so I could go in there and just pop that in there and we all sit down and enjoy it together. My lectures, so, I, put, I put them together in terms of putting the visuals together and putting into the documentary. That lecture, uh, then I actually have the lecture called uh, Ethiopia from the Ancient Kushites to the Black Lions that I did in Canada, in Toronto, Canada. Okay, the one from Addis Ababa, I don't have the pictures and all that, you know, put, you know, that I put yeah. on there yet, you know, but... Uh, in terms, my lecture is a little bit slower because of the language. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't lecture like I would normally do here because we had a lecture a lot slower, so they would clearly understand what I was saying in that uh, in that lecture. But I'll probably uh, you know put some highlights of it on uh, you know on YouTube or something like that there, and maybe uh, put some of the information together. But I I'm definitely making it for them uh, because uh, you know they were there and uh, you know I slowed it down a lot. A lot. Uh, so uh, we could get past the language barrier. Definitely. Can you let our family out there know whenever they whenever they want to um, get some material from you? How 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 can they reach out to get some material from you? Well, uh, we have our our website. That's Kemetnew. That's K E M E T N U dot com. There you can go there, and uh, we have DVDs. Uh, you know, the only DVDs that I, my wife and I produce. Uh, that's the only DVDs I have. And uh, these are, you know, we try our best to produce the studio, produce DVDs, and uh, in the DVDs we have live footage where you can see live information, uh, you know, where I'm at on the sites. In fact, Ethiopia from the ancient Kushites to the Black Lion, that one has uh, uh, me and my Netterhemp. That's my divine wife, okay, and I, her Netterhedge, divine husband. We are both uh, in there doing that one. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a great one. And I, I just made one on our Ethiopian tour called Motherland Africa, okay? It kind of gives you an idea of what we are, uh, the regular uh, expedition that we do in Ethiopia in the winter. Uh, so that's a great DVD, uh, hour and a half. And then, uh, you know, we also have one on our uh, Kemet New Tour, but also African Origin of Christianity, uh, uh, African History versus Biblical Myths. So there's others on there as well, uh, debates, you know, uh, depending on what your interest is. But the ones on Ethiopia, uh, those are on there as well, and uh, there's a lot of information uh, dealing with that. So actually, that one is the one that I actually made. It's already together, and uh, some of the things that I talked about um, are uh, in that DVD. Uh, you know, so it's already you know. In fact, that's the one that the brothers and sisters got in Ethiopia, and why they called us to lecture at Addis Ababa University because of that Kushite DVD. So I was really shocked, especially when I was up in Lalabella. You know, Lalabella is in the highlands of Ethiopia, and it's one of the most desolate areas of Ethiopia. And I was really shocked when I walked in, and one of the brothers knew me, you know, and uh, and it was due to that uh, that Kushite uh, uh, DVD. So, uh, you know, it's a great inspiration, you know, you know, to, uh, you know, I've been lecturing on uh, Ethiopia for a while, you know, and I think it's very important. And even as we start to lecture and deal with Ethiopia, just like Egypt, just like Kemet, as our ancestors called it, you know, where Europeans try to make it uh, white going to, you know, with the whole Hegel. You know, Hegel was in the 1700s where uh, he was saying that uh, Egypt was uh, it was European. It was not African. 
And this is how we look at Egypt today as not being part of Africa and how in some Negroes' minds, when you say you're going to Africa and you say you're going to Egypt, and they say, well, Egypt's not part of Africa. Well, that was the, the academic racism that was started during the time of Hegel in the, uh, seven, in the 1700s, who was a German. And uh, he's the one that started to write Africa. Write each, is there, is, are we still online? Yes, we are. Okay, who started to write Egypt out of Africa. So this very day, Egypt is looked at as part of the Middle East. But as I said, if you got a Middle East, where's your Middle West, where's your Middle North, and where's your Middle South? Uh, mm-hmm. But again, you know, uh, uh, National Geographic came out uh, just in 2008, and I don't know if you remember National Geographic and they had the, the black hole. Mm-hmm. You, me- you remember that issue? When they went to Harvard, uh, uh, uh National Geographic, it came out with the, 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 uh, the black pharaohs. Yes, yes. And, uh, there's, there's word that there's a movie being produced by Will Smith. Uh, called the last pharaoh. Well, okay, hopefully, hopefully that comes out all right. Because anytime Hollywood gets a little hold of something, brother, you know, uh, the last pharaoh. Who are they talking about? The Harker? Yeah, they talking about the Harker. The Harker was not the last pharaoh. See, it's already messed up. Nectanabo, <laughs> Nectanabo was the last pharaoh of Kemet. Okay, so again, you know, he was not the last pharaoh. But anyway, uh, National Geographic came out the black pharaohs. But but even there, in National Geographic, they even point. I put. I mean, if you put it right there. Uh, it's on page um, 39 and 40. The Kushites surely belong to the Caucasian race. Wrote it right in our face. What? Psychopathic racist National Geographic. Yes, the Kushites. See, white folks know how, you know, if they say, well, keep something with black folks, just put it in a book. I, no, there was no protest from nobody be, behind that magazine. I lectured, okay, in uh, Philadelphia and L.A., the, you know, most of them, in fact, my Kushite lecture, I hardly ever lecture in the States on that lecture. Most of that lecture is either in uh, England, the Caribbean, or Canada. Because, you know, yes, it's great to be in the Kemet, you know, but just to look at Kemet and can't look at the root, or the, you know, which is the, the heartbeat, the mother, which is Ethiopia. In fact, they went on, you know, I mean, they went on to put other things in there. They said that black Africans could not have possibly constructed the monuments those pyramids that I talked about in Medway and Maserat and Naga, you know, and, you know, I mean, it just outright just came out and said that the uh, Kushites surely belong to the Caucasian race. Anybody who looks at Kashada, who opened up the uh, 25th dynasty, and, and see clearly that this is, a, this is a clearly a brother. Anyone who would look at Shabaka, okay, who, uh, again, before Shabaka, his brother Pianki, who they all came in to fight the invaders that were coming into, into Egypt because they saw Egypt as the daughter. They saw they were preserving the culture. They were preserving Ma'at again from chaos. They were coming in to fight and bringing and restoring order. So you also see that with, with, uh, with Shabaka, they had no mercy on the enemy when he conquered all the way up into the Delta region, okay, uh, into Kemet to uh, get, uh, kick the enemy out. Okay, at that time they were called the Tamahu. Tamahu, okay, literally means, uh, you know, white people, Tamahu. Mm-hmm. And then you also see, okay, uh, you know, the other is the most famous, of course, we know is Taharka. You know, he's famous because, one, he, uh, he's in the, uh, the biblical accounts. He's the one king that spoke of from the biblical account where he saved his own African Hebrew brothers from annihilation from the Assyrians. Okay, he was saving the Judeans. And the Judeans, okay, who lived in the southern part of Israel were black. And we're always in the south. 
whether we're in South Side Chicago, South Kemet, seems like everywhere in the South we're black. So uh, equally, Taharka was saving his own brothers who were coming up from the South. And I think this is why it's so important for us to look at Ethiopia, because when you look at the culture and custom of Ethiopia, most of the time we think of Makeda, or she's uh, called in Ethiopia Saba, okay, the Gisa Azib, or the Queen of the South, and we think of her relationship with Solomon and, and all this type of thing. But when you look at the, uh, the Kandakes, okay, uh, Amenatore and uh, uh, Amashiketo, these were the queen mothers of Kush. We would never allow a queen to go out of the land to marry a foreigner. So when we look at the customs of, of, of Makeda or Saba leaving Ethiopia to go marry someone else, we see now that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, an upside down, the custom and tradition of the matrilineal line of the ancient Kushites are upside down because the Kandakates, as they're called Candace and from the biblical account, okay, uh, the queen or the, the lineage always went back to the queen mother. So we've got to look and see that when you look at the customs and we look at a lot of the present-day Ethiopia with the Aksumites and we look at that this is coming from Israel. No, that, that culture is not coming from Israel. This is still part of the indigenous Ethiopian Kushite culture. That's another comparison that I did in Ethiopia. In fact, I didn't really know how some of the brothers and sisters were going to deal with that because, you know, their whole uh, political and religious system is still around, you know, the story of Makeda, you know, going to meet Solomon as he becomes impregnated, and then uh, with uh, Ibn Hakim, which uh, he changed his name to Menelik I and went back and met his father, and he brings the Hebrew faith into Ethiopia as the story goes, and that's how Ethiopia became a Hebrew nation. Uh, but uh, prior to all of that, you know, that was part of the Kushite nation, okay, uh, and the tradition and culture was also part of that history of, of Ethiopia. Uh, so there I was able to show the comparisons and show some things in the culture that were always indigenous to ancient Ethiopia that is now called the Sudan today. And brothers and sisters were very open uh, to that information. I was very elated, that, you know, that they were able to see you know, that, uh, you know, that culture uh, definitely came up out of, uh, of ancient Ethiopia. It had nothing to do with Israel. That's why I said either we're dealing with an Asian culture or we're dealing with a European culture. But when are we going to get back to the African culture? Because none of them would exist if it was not from the fallopian tubes and the cultural uh, uh, highways, which would be the waterways, okay, of the Abai or the Blue Now and the Atbar and the Happy Now. They would not exist. Can I ask you, um, what is your opinion on the controversy surrounding the Hyksos? A lot of people are not clear as to who the Hyksos were. Well, the Hyksos came from a place called Matani. That's present-day Iraq. Okay, they're part of that element of the Indo-Euro-Asiatics, uh, okay? Uh, when the Indo-Europeans are coming in from the north and encounter some of the Asiatic people who were in that region, this is who the Arabs are made up of. That's why that name, uh, Semitic, literally means just semi, semi, have black, have white from the Indo-Europeans, okay, having a contact with the Asiatic element. But let's keep in mind that even before that Asiatic element was there, as uh, Jusilla Dunja Houston uh, informed us in her wonderful Ethiopians of the Kushite Empire, that that was also part of the ancient, ancient Kushite Empire all the way to the Tagus Euphrates. After all, the ancient Natufians called themselves the Blackheads. Okay, and the blackheads coming up out of 
uh, ancient Kush. We're talking about Kush of Ethiopia. This is why we have a lot of, when we look at the biblical accounts that I deal with in my African origin of uh, the uh, biblical uh, stories, that they talk about the whole thing now that Kush is not Ethiopia now, but now the region of the Kissites east of Mesopotamia, which would be the Caucasus Mountains. So anything related to Africa, they're trying to take it up, up out of Africa and put it somewhere else, which I actually show the maps where, they, where I actually show Mesopotamia, and east of Mesopotamia is the Caucasus Mountains, where the name Caucasians came from, the Caucasus Mountains where they came from. So back to your question, to these Hyksoks who first came down and attacked the Tigris Euphrates, on the Murray tablets, okay, there in the uh, Tigris Euphrates, they speak of how the invasions that came into the Tigris Euphrates. Were there black people? Yes, there were black people living there because of the Kushites who were already there, as I just mentioned, with the early Natufians, who were also, you know, black people. But as they came in, when they conquered, they took the people to build their armies up that they conquered and forced the young men into their army as they proceeded on into the land of Palestine, okay, that was part of the, that was occupied by Kemet, okay, those were colonies of Kemet in that area. A lot of the customs and the tradition were already carried on by Kemet because men kept a ride to Hootie Mays. Uh, you know, it talks about his story, how he came in and re-educated the people into a comedic way of life. When he conquered the people, he made sure he educated them into a comedic way of life, just like America does today. When it conquers somebody, just like in Iraq, just like in Afghanistan, okay, they bring in American custom and tradition. They got that from men Keparat to Hootie Mays of the 18th Dynasty. But going back to the Hicksoaks, their armies became very large because of the people they conquered, just like America's army. When America's army goes out, everybody's in that army. There are Africans in that army. There are uh, Mexicans in that army. There are uh, Native Americans in that army, Chinese in the American army. Why? Because they conquered all these people. Okay, so that's, that's who the Hicksoaks were. Now, the, ruling, the, 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 the people who were the ruling generals, okay, they were the Indo-Asiatic-looking type people that you see on the monuments of temples, the temples of Egypt that I show in some of my clips in my, in my DVDs and so forth. Right. But, the, you know, but they had a lot of people that they conquered. So when they came in, they conquered the delta of, Regent, uh, of Kemet and held an area called the Avaris. And this is where, at this period of time, that Egypt was uh, conquered by the Hyksoks, and they held the, uh, the lower Egypt, Tamari, for almost 200 years. And it was the south, again, it was the south. It was the Wasetians, again, came up from the south who had to defeat the Hyksos, starting with the second Henry Tiles of the 17th dynasty, who, in fact, he lost his life on the battlefield, okay, defeating the Hyksos, but it was his son, Kadmos. And eventually, Admos, the first, who opened up the third golden age of Kemet, who he came out on the battlefield and said never again, never again would Kemet be conquered by these uh, uh, Indo-Asiatic, uh, Euro-Asiatic people. So during this time, we see his battle axes are in the Cairo Museum of the 18th Dynasty. So here's the liberator, the emancipator. Historically, what's important about Admos, Ned Petty Ra Admos, that's his throne name, Ned Petty Ra Admos I, is that this is the first time in history we see, or at least recorded history, we see a large group of people being expelled out of Kemet. 
this is where early writers came and told and turned that story against Kemet. Here they took from Admos and made a Moses right. and talked about an exodus. The only exodus is when Admos kicked the Hicksokes out of Kemet. They turned it around that the Egyptians enslaved some Jews. That story did not exist in Kemet. I have been saying that for years, and now they're recently coming out with and talking about the pyramids had nothing to do with slaves building the pyramids. I've been saying that for years anyway, from their excavations around the Giza Plateau. Yeah, they're all saying that now. Right. I, got to, I, I can pull up my footage because a lot of times I'll revise my tapes and I'll just stop the production of those tapes and I'll start making new ones. That's what I do. I just revise my stuff as, it, as I go along. And... Uh, Hello, are we still online? Right. Yes, we are. Looks like we got another line in here. I hear some other talking. <laughs> but again, the way things are tapped now, I'm surprised my, my phone is not tapped, with, uh, especially when we got the uh, all stuff kind of stuff going on now. <laughs> yeah, the, the blog, um, the chat room is saying they experience a lot of uh, technical difficulty with blog talk. Well, this so, stuff doesn't belong yeah. to us anyway, brother. It don't belong to us. All, that, all this stuff don't belong to us. Some of us act like it belonged to us. Yeah, the way we go, the way we get on there, you know. But we just jackasses on there, doing all kinds of, you know. But you know, but you know, it, 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 so cell phones, all this. In fact, some of us were chipped back in the seventies anyway. Mm. <laughs> so I do want to reiterate: you are saying that the Hicksos definitely are not the same people as the Kushites or the tribe of Judah. One has no, no, no. The they're other. not the same. No, they're not, not, not the same people. No, we're not. Definitely not the Hicksokes or not the, not the Kushites. That's, that's, right. that's, yeah, without question. You know, uh, I'll keep in mind that uh, we've had our civil war. You know, just like um, America has it. So, what did America have the civil war against? The South again. Uh, the South, okay, but but uh, uh, I mean the Revolutionary War. That's what I'm talking about. Who do they have the Revolutionary War against? Uh, quote unquote Britain. Britain, right? Okay. And who was in it? Who did they align themselves with? Who was their their alliance? America, France, France. Yeah. right? France. Okay. So Kemet had the its had its Kemet equally had its civil wars. Okay. When the Kushites wanted to restore the South, wanted to, I mean restore Kemet back to its Kushite rule because the early pre-dynastic periods of those early uh, Kushite kings, okay, when we go back to uh, Normer, that first recorded king, these are, these kings are all coming from the south. These are all uh, Kushite kings, okay. When you look at Terranetta, some of the earliest carvings, okay, of the, the early uh, Tassetti Kushites, they're all coming from the south. So, again, the Kushites, you know, always wanted to restore that Neptui, you know, that was the lord of the two lands. They always wanted to unite that the two lands. So, of course, when the war took place with the Hyksos coming from, from the south, uh, again, there were some alliances with the Kushites had, okay, with uh, Judea, okay, with that particular area. You know, that's how the Kushites were in that in that area. But their ultimate goal was to to bring Kemet under a Kushite rule again, okay. Uh, now, of course, with uh, you know that took place periodically, okay. You know, and one one point the South would win, and some certain points the North would win, okay. And then other, there were other some kings that thought by making alliance with the with the Hicksokes that they could you know bring Kemet back under you know that Kushite rule again, all right. So you know you had this 
this back and forth type battle that, that took place. But in terms of saying that the uh, Hicksoaks were the Cushites, was it's totally crazy. You know, they they came from Mitanni. They had nothing to do with uh, with Cushite or Ethiopia. That's somebody that's not reading history. Right, brother Ashra, I want to ask you: Is there um, historical proof that points to the existence of a Jesus in Kemet? There's no a proof of a Jesus. Did you say a Jesus? Yes, sir. You, I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, there was no. Are we still online? Yes, we are. Okay. No, there is no no proof of no Jesus in Egypt. Okay. This this Jesus is a contemporary thing. This mm-hmm. Jesus thing was created at the Conference of Nicene in 325 A.D. You know. Now we're looking at the the stories of Jesus and see where the stories of Jesus came from. Now we're looking at Kemet and seeing where the spiritual stories go all the way back to, you know, a great Sutan named Haru. Mm-hmm. There, let's go back to the world's first holy city called Aptu, to the Arabs called Abydos, dedicated to his father, Asar. Here we, yes. see, the, here we see the evil brother named Set who crucified him, who got 72 conspirators to cut him up into 14 pieces. And that also has some science to deal with it, okay, as well. Okay, but cut him up into 14 pieces, and here we see that he resurrected through the birth of his son, Haru. So the Immaculate Conception story, the virgin birth story that I deal with in my African origin of Christianity, all of that goes back to the African spiritual Shishada system that the Greeks called the mystery system. So when Paul talks about the divine truth, that divine truth, was called the Neder Makaru. That was the divine truth that came up out of Kemet that was based off of the spiritual mystery system, that was based off of the early triad of Asar, Aset, and Haru. There's the foundation of what Western version of Christianity built off of when the Romans came in who could not understand the true spirituality of the Sahu, or the spiritual body, that once we see the Ba, the soul, and the Ka, the spirit, joined as one, the physical body, called the Netherkat, stayed in the earth. It did not rise up like the Romans who could not understand anything about spiritual nature and, and said the physical body would just rise up. It had nothing to do with a physical body but a spiritual body, which they still can't even understand to this very day. So the Christ, mm-hmm. who the Gnostics called the Kares, the Gnostics are the ones who were keeping the African spiritual Shishada mystery system alive. That was based off of the spiritual, the spirit within ourselves called the Ka. And the symbol, the Medunetra symbol for the Ka are two arms straight up representing the Ka. Corrupted, excuse me? Like a touchdown? Well, yeah, like a touchdown or like they do in the church when people say they get the Holy Ghost and start running around the church like they're crazy. Okay? But that came from the Ka, the spirit. All right? That is what the Nazis called the caress that the Romans called Christ. What they did was took their image of Serapis, this in the Cairo Museum, and had the people deify that image that started first with the Ptolemies. Our ancestors did not see the Ptolemies as the indigenous rulers of Kemet. They saw them as usurpers of the throne of Kemet. Mm-hmm. So it was the Ptolemies that had to trick the people by combining what they call the Epis bull, symbolized as Asar, and this Serapis deity, Greco-Roman deity, assimilating them together, they came up with this Serapis that later became Jesus. 
Now, I know that's hard for many people to understand, but again, as we open up this show, we talked about the matrix of white yes. supremacy. This is part of the deep matrix, and that worship of that white image, of that, that's, the cap, that's what has captivated us even to this day. Whether we're worshiping a white picture of some white male, or whether we're even worshiping and praying over a white one, a live one, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's still deep me, down into the spiritual enslavement of African people's minds and seeing yes. that white male as God. Yes, sir. And it's a grave insult to our ancestors. A grave who we are, insult. Who are, we are supposed to honor and uphold their legacies in order to be blessed by them. We well, are instructed you know, there are those to... Who are, you know, we have, our, like Dr. Clark said, we got, you know, that... Our uh, liberation and struggle as a people and those who have, you know, put everything on the line has always been corrupted with fakers, fools, and frauds, and that's still going on to this very day. Fakers, fools, and frauds. And the people, and knowing the people, that many people, we live in a system that keeps you with things to do so you don't have time to think. So most black folks don't have critical analytical analysis to look at things closely, hear closely. That's why I always tell people, don't believe nothing I say. Research it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can see it for yourself. Think for yourself. Have critical views. Look at it closely. Look at the chronology. Look at the history and look at the beginning. And then you will see the results in the ending. But taking anything for face value, anything can come before you, a faker, a fool, and a fraud, and dupe the people at any time. Definitely. And while we're on the subject, uh, I, you know I have to do this. Could we, could we quickly get into the Greek fraternities and sororities, please? <laughs> I mean, we're just, <laughs> well, I mean, it's... <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, you got some people, they die hard. Like, you know, well, you can't, exactly you know. Like the rapid, it's, it's the deification of the white culture. It starts in our early educational system, my brother. You know? Yes. You know, like a sister who broke down and cried. Okay? Here we are at the Great Hall. Here we are at the Great Hall of Ipidasut. 134 columns, 79 feet high. These massive columns, and she... She's crying. I said, why are you crying? She said, I have a Ph.D. in Roman architecture, and none of this was revealed to her. Why? Hmm. Because she was taught about the deification of the Western world. Here's another sister when we went to the Paranc, or the House of Life, where the Western world gets the first hospitals from. And here Hmm. she's breaking down. Here she's, she's a physician. She's a surgeon. Sister, why are you crying? She said, I'm a medical doctor. And I had to take the Hippocratic oath that I'd practice medicine according to that of Aesculapius. She didn't know that Aesculapius is the Greek word for a multi-genius and physician 2,000 years before Hippocrates named Imhotep, who knew the circulation of the blood long before William Harvey knew what blood was all about, and also knew the circumference of the earth long before the Athenian Aristosthenes, but she only knew Aesculapius because you've been taught to deify the Western world. So by your early educational system, it's thorough. 
It's a process that you come through to make sure you will never see yourself, as Dr. Richard King says, your own African ancestral genetic memory bank will not open up. So when we, yeah. look, at, when we look at Pythagoras and Thales, Thales one of the first, and Thales to talk about the transmigration of the soul, where did Thales get the transmigration of the soul from? Where did he get the dialectical laws of opposites? It did not come from Greece. Not the way men cohabitated with men. That's not the dialect, spiritual dialectical laws of opposites. Exactly. That's the whole you can't come to Kemet. A, a suit and a king cannot be on the throne without a queen. Exactly. No one could come before the people without a queen. How can you walk in the Nisium suit? as our ancestors called it, with the left leg forward to trample down evil without a balance. All this chaos of Isfet, that's how Ma'at is destroyed by creating chaos. You create chaos by upsetting a divine balance that we call the dialectical laws of opposites. Then you force on people something that's unnatural. So the Greeks did not bring that. Go and read with the Greeks with Herodotus. Is it a Herodotus? I think it's Herodotus. Who talked mm-hmm. about the men only saw their wives, okay, for having children. But their, but their love, their best love was with men. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So how could one, I thought we, and then we come out and we want to be the Greeks and so forth. How can we be Greeks and brand ourselves? I thought we had enough branding on the slave plantation. When they branded us, when you were on the plantation and the slave, that you belong to me, I'll brand you like a cattle. Have we gotten so messed? This is how messed up we are that now we will brand ourselves. I belong to you, Master. Yes, sir. To the deification of the Western world. Voluntarily. So a young man was passing out flyers when I came to one campus, university campus, and it says Pan-Hellenic Council proudly presents Greek Week. And he had a red, black, and green Africa. I said, wait a minute, brother. How, how, you got red, black, and I said, this is some serious schizophrenia going on here. <laughs> I said, do you know what Panhellenic culture means? Uh, uh, well, about Greek. I said, it's Greek thought, Greek civilization, Greek culture. Everything's Greek. I said, why can't you? You already have a red, black, and green Africa. Why can't you have Pan-African Council proudly presents African Week? You already got Africa on your flyer. And then many people went around talking about, well, I want to bow down and pray to the white Jesus, okay, so I can go to heaven, so I won't go to hell. Well, have we ever thought in the matrix of white supremacy that we have been in hell for 2,000 years when it says Hellenic culture, Hellenic, it was 2,000 years ago? Exactly. When the Greeks came on the scene and we've been in hell, we've been in the matrix of this box for 2,000 years? Hellenic, my brother. We're in hell. So that that brother that who's in the fraternity, that sister who's in the sorority, they're in the white supremacy spider web. Mm-hmm. Their insides are being sucked out. The likeness of the person is there, but their insides is being sucked out. Well, I hope they, they swallow that pill right there because, you know, that's And that's needed. why our children, our children, okay, our children go to school. 
okay? All the, all the African sciences of the mystery system got European names on it, okay? That's why it's called the Pythagorean order, mm-hmm. okay? And they taught children that, that uh, Pythagoras is the one that, that brought on the, the, the whole pie. So that's Pythagoras, you don't have one pyramid in Europe. Here you have the greatest structures on the planet Earth, right there in the Giza Plateau, the Great Pyramid of Akekufu. Seven million tons of masonry, two million three hundred thousand stones put in exact position. Originally four hundred and eighty-one feet, where the capstone is taken off. Let's not forget Imhotep, who started the building of the pyramid with the Step Pyramid in Saqqara. And let's not forget Sneferu. Let's before him. Let's not forget Huni who started to make the true pyramid, and it collapsed, but it was his son, Sneferu, who went on to build what is now called the Bent Pyramid, and Zosim Ankh didn't get it right, and he got him to build a second pyramid, the world's first true pyramid, right there in Dajar, that enabled Akekufu to build a great pyramid in Giza Plateau, that also enabled his son, Kafra, to build his, and his son, Mikara, to build his. But yet, what you do with the Negro mind, before you put this great ingenuity and great sciences on African people than tell him that some spacemen built it. Tell him that some slaves built it. Tell him some extraterrestrials built it. Mm-hmm. Tell him anything other than an African built it. But you'll never hear an Arab talk about that some extraterrestrials built the Kaaba. You'll never hear some Ashkenazis talking about some extraterrestrials built the Welling Wall. Only when it comes to African treasures, either extraterrestrials had something to do with it or some white folks had something to do with it. Even as we were talking about earlier with Ethiopia and Lalabella, with those great monolithic structures there in churches that many preachers can't tell you nothing about, if they're going to talk about Christianity, then talk about the African Christianity. Exactly. And they tell, and they tell them, and, and, and Graham Hancock put in his book, The Sign and the Seals, that some mysterious white men came and built these great monolithic structures in Addis Ababa. I mean, in uh, Lalabella. Tell the Negro anything, but just don't let the Negro see him or herself. So you'll be an eternal slave. Well, brother. Question. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, Now, dealing with the theology of Kush and Kemet, were they in agreement? Or was there a disagreement between both? It's impossible to be in a, in a disagreement with this theology of Cush and Kemet because the theology of Kemet came from Cush. As I talked about earlier, Jua and the foundation of the, of the spiritual Amun, uh, deity Amun came up out of the south. All the spiritual principles of ancient Kemet came from Cush. No, definitely no, no, that's the reason why the Sutans like Ashada, Pianki, and Shabaka, and Taharka, the Tannibal and others who came up from the south. That's why they came up preserved. They didn't come in destroying, okay, like uh, uh, Alexander who got Aristosthenes to, uh, uh, not Aristosthenes, but Aristotle to ransack the repositories and the sacred, sacred scrolls of Kemet, and just like uh, the Syrians and, okay, and the Persians who came in, they came in as destroyers. Okay, when you talk about Ashurbanipal's great, you know, uh, all his gold, where did Ashurbanipal get all that gold from? He took it off of the pylons of ancient Kemet. So, but when the when the sultans or the kings came up from Kush, there's no history of destroying 
but restoring that which was destroyed because it was the same culture. It was the same spiritual way of life. It was, it was Kenneth that looked too Cush, the mother, when the invaders came in. So if it was a different culture, a different spiritual way of life, then Kemet would never look to the south as it did in many, many occasions. As I talked earlier about the zoop types and and what you see in Kemet and you look at all the various animals and the the baboons and so forth, and that's another thing I experienced when I was in Jinka with the baboons and and in the morning and and the baboons who invaded our camp. And when the sun rose, you know, you see the baboons making all this noise and, 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 and raising up to the to the east and facing the east. And I said, huh, huh, that's where the Salat came from. <laughs> yeah. All right? But you could never tell an Arab that, a, that an animal, a baboon, started as a Salat. When you go to the temples of Kemet and you see our ancestors giving praise to the east, okay, looking to the east and looking to the west, where it says, Amen, Ra, Amen, Ra. It later became Allah, Wakba, but our ancestors had no problems giving where, it's, where it came from. We had no problems acknowledging where it came from. We gave credit to its beginning, and we gave credit to Amhetet Ra. Amhetet Ra is the sacred baboon. So you see those baboons at the foot of the tall Tekanus. You know the Tekanu looks just like the Washington Monument that equally plagiarized that architectural structure from ancient, uh, from, from ancient Kemet. They put the baboons there facing because it's looking to the east. Mm-hmm. You see the same thing. You see the minaret, equally a copy from the from the Tekanu. That the Arabs like uh, also Bilal, who gave the first salat, that gave the prayer from the minaret. But where's the idea coming from? It's been passed down through the ages. But our ancestors' observation with the interior of Africa, with Punt, the Taneta land, God's land, they're giving praise to the zoomorphic forms that enabled them to get the spiritual ideas that was carried into Kemet that's carved on the temples of Kemet. And today, because of the, the negative connotations and because all three of them, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all took from Kemet to make up their religions, and then they want to look at it in some kind of paganism or heathen and not seeing the spiritual relationship with nature. Maybe had they had a spiritual relationship with nature and understood it, when they were burning many of the libraries of Kemet and destroying the ancient papyruses that told about the mystery system, and when the, uh, the Western Church came in, the Byzantines, when they came in and took a lot of the scrolls and what they couldn't understand, they burned. Had they understood and not burned those uh, those uh, thousands of scrolls they took from the temple, then we may have been, we may be on a higher spiritual level than where we are now. We would not see the earth and nature or nature being destroyed because they would have had a respect. Now all of a sudden they tore up everything, and now they realize, oh, this was about the spiritual mystery system that Kemet talked about. This is the foundation of our whole spiritual life force here. Exactly. Exactly. I have a question about um, Kemet. If one were to go over there with the amount of money and uh, wanted to start getting property, either Kemet or um, Kush, is that possible? 
well, from, you know, from you the travels this year. You got a, you got you got a whole you know uh, it, you know Kemet is pretty much is run by the uh, you know the Arab you know and the Muslim you know yeah. you're not going to get that type of you know uh, in terms of uh, uh, going in because first of all. Uh, Kemet has very little land, first of all, okay, because everybody's living along the banks of that river. Without the Nile, there would not be an Egypt. It would be, it would be all desert. So you got a small strip of land anyway. So the people very, you know, hardly have any land, especially with the growing of the Sahara is getting larger. Okay, it's not shrinking; it's getting larger, and the people are uh, doing the system that they did in ancient Kemet and doing uh, the irrigation system, okay, and using the uh, the aqueduct system of irrigating the land and trying to turn the desert into land. So with somebody coming into Egypt trying to buy land when there's hardly any land and mostly desert, that's very difficult. And keep in mind that at one time Kemet uh, fed Rome. Rome depended on Kemet because of the alluvial topsoil that carried down the Nile which that mm-hmm. doesn't happen now, okay, because of those dams. That's why they call them the damn dams, and the soil has been backed up behind those dams now, so it's just not, it doesn't cover the Nile now, okay. Huh. Uh, so, but in Kemet, yeah, that would be very difficult. You know, Kemet is still mainly an agricultural land. You have people, the way of life, I mean, when you're going in the countryside, uh, it's not much different than, you know, some of the images uh, that you see on the temples and tombs, Okay. Uh, you know, the people are still, you know, you still see the donkey in the, in the little carts and, you know, the things is not much have changed, okay? The people still, you know, live, uh, you know, that agricultural life and uh, you have to, when you get into the cities, uh, yeah, you got the donkey and the, and cars and trucks right along with, uh, you know, horses and things, you know, things like that there. But, uh, you know, places like, now you go to West Africa, the Ghana, uh, yes, you know, uh, one of the things that Rollins did when he came here, and, you know, he, he said that uh, we as an African people in America should create, you know, uh, dual citizenship. In fact, yes. I was watching the news when he when he came to the, uh, during Clinton's administration, when he came to the White House, White House, and Clinton was there, and he was talking about dual citizenship. And, uh, you know, Ghana, you know, not, it's, they, they, they leased the land, so the land could be leased to you, okay, for a long period of time, okay, for you to work the land and build the land. But I remember when Rollins came and said that, some Negro said, well, what about our loyalty to America? Well, I was shocked when Clinton spoke up. I'm surprised that you would even say loyalty to America. And Clinton had to advise the Negro reporter that he thought he'd be pleasing his master, Clinton, by saying that, that uh, dual citizenship is not new, that the Jews, okay, the uh, the Ashkenazis, okay, who uh, got American passports and Jewish passports. So, you know, he's telling him, you know, you don't, don't, don't have, he, otherwise he told him, uh, uh, told his little slave, don't worry, we'll, we'll let you have our dual citizenship. <laughs> but uh, I would say uh, that that's, in fact, uh, there's a brother and sisters uh, live up in St. Louis uh, who uh, donated some land, who actually are uh, creating a little uh, village and repatriation back to Africa, and they uh, bought some land. And, in fact, I have to go over in September and look at the land that they've donated to my wife and I. Uh, you know, wow. from St. Louis, and they donated uh, some land to my wife and I. There was a bunch of lies out there uh, spread, uh, you know, by a particular individual, and uh, they came forward during that time, and who they knew us and said, "Look, you know, uh, you know, we're going to donate y'all some land, and uh, so we're going to go over and check out the land in uh, in September." Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Right. You I know, was so wondering. Like, so out of ugliness, good things happen. <laughs> Indeed. On your on your mm-hmm. trips to Kemet. Have you ever encountered uh, the individual 
high wash? Zadi high wash? Yeah. No, no, I haven't encountered uh, Zadi high wash. I had no interest to encounter Zadi high wash. Zadi high wash is an Arabized uh, Egyptian, and pretty much, uh, you know, he's controlled by the white supremacist Egyptologist. Okay, I mean that's, you know, keep now, look, just think about it. Uh, America would not let no one come to their country digging up George Washington, uh, putting them on display, ransacking tombs and so forth. Uh, the Italians are not going to let you come there and dig up the Caesars and, and, and all their emperors and put them on display and gawk at and, and send their bodies through CAT scans as they have done King to the Common. Uh, England is not going to let you dig up all those uh, white boys and King J uh, James and George and all the others and put them on display and send them through CAT scan. So how is it they can come to Kemet and take sacred netiquettes or sacred bodies of our ancestors and put them on display and everything else? There's one thing I do respect about uh, Sadat. Uh, one thing uh, Sadat said is that when he uh, became president of, of Egypt, and by the way, it was Sadat that uh, named uh, Egypt, uh, brought the name Egypt back to the country. Prior to that, it was called the United Arab Republic. But Sadat said, we are an African nation, and the country is called Egypt. So we give respect to him for that. Prior to that, it was called the United Arab Republic. But he said that these are our ancestors, and he refused to uh, allow the bodies, okay, to be taken out of their sacred uh, tombs and so forth, and they were uh, supposed to be, remain there. Now, after his assassination, that's when the a white racist Egyptologist set up the royal tomb in the second floor of the Cairo Museum for people to go gawk at the royal uh, cots or mummies, as they're called today, of some of the greatest sultans or kings of ancient Kemet, like uh, Second Enrei Tao, okay, and like Cadmos uh, and uh, Atmos and some of the others that I've talked about, uh, you know, for people to gawk at. But you're not going to see that in America. You're not going to see it in Rome. You're not going to see it in England. So that, that should tell you something about Zadi Hawass and how he feels about Kemet and shows his relationship to Kemet to show that he has no connection to that. He's an alien. He has an Arab culture, not an indigenous Kemetic African culture, to allow that to happen. And allow continue King Tutankhamun's body to be taken from his sacred sites and so forth. Yes, um, they supposedly be supposed to come up with a, a a conclusion of their studies in the next few days on the twelfth, I believe, as to the quote unquote true identity of Tut. This is this is a continuation of the white supremacy, brother. It's right. a continuation of the white supremacy. You know, they're going to come up with a conclusion, okay, with, with these uh, uh, CAT scans. Go look at his father, okay, Amenhotep III, and many speculations are saying that, uh, that, that uh, <coughs> uh, excuse me, that uh, Amenhotep IV, Nefekeperud Wa Wa and Ra, Amenhotep IV, that he changed his name to Akhenaten, saying that he may be the father. But whether you look at uh, Amenhotep the, okay, the, uh, the III, or whether you look at Amenhotep IV, Akhenaten, they both look African. And then when they look African, then they make up all kinds of excuses by saying, well, the reason why uh, Akhenaten's lips look this way because he suffers from uh, ear disease. Psychopathic, let's go look at his grandmother, Queen T, that may be his mother, mm -hmm. or Tia, that may be his mother. They all look like Africans. When I travel throughout the United States, when I travel, okay, around the country during the time of that exhibit, that was some of the presentations I was doing on his family line, so everybody can see and looking at the lips and looking at the features and clearly seeing that these are Africans. But just like Charles G. Seligman, 
okay, in his book in 1930 in the Races of Africa who wrote, even though now everybody can see from their features and what they look like that they're Africans, that's what made Charles G. Seligman in 1930 writing his book in the Races of Africa that, well, they're black Caucasians. So this is what created this black Caucasian thing, which is the uh, the racist term that they created, the hermetic. These are the hermetics. And, of course, mm-hmm. the hermetic developed out of the racist uh, conference of Jamnia thing, where they systematically wrote up the ham story, which I deal with in my African history versus biblical myth. So all of it is nothing but psychopathic racism, no matter how you look at it. So I guess that's who Obama is. He's a black Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> Newer. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about that movie Avatar. I haven't seen it. Oh, you absolutely have to see it. Um, there's a half an hour remaining. Yeah, I'm on the road. I've been running around so much and doing things. Generally, the movie's been out about six months before I even get a chance to see it. We'll send uh, you the link. Oh, okay, good, brother. Thank uh, you. We have numerous callers in the queue. They're definitely want to um, ask questions of the master teacher, so I'm going to go okay, to now, I've been on here you. for a while. Do I have a minute to take a quick run? Uh, uh, absolutely. Yes, you do. Okay, so I'll yes, be back absolutely. in just two minutes. How's that? Family, yes, we're going to take a brief intermission, family. We're going to put some music on while the brother goes and take a brief break. When he comes back, we are going to uh, get some callers to ask some questions, okay? And with that, we want to say hotep. Join us back in two minutes. Peace. Obama get, spit that Kurvonic kid. That blow your brain, Kurt Cobain, that Nirvana shit. Who gon' bring the game back? Who gon' spit that rainbow on the train tracks? That gold rope, that five-finger rain rap, running with my same pack. You can find the Christ where the lepers and the lanes at. Life is like a dice game. One roll can land you in jail or cutting kick, blowing kisses in the rice rain. Nice whip, nice chain, the closet of stalls. The stench is like slave blood and Providence Hall. Yeah, they built my city on top of a grave. Nigga die, nigga get high and watch the parade. Back in the early 90s. Where they at, where they at, get the gag, get the gat was a popular phrase. Bally animals and rugby's was a popular craze. This the vivid memoirs of an obnoxious slave. I paid ways like Nat and Harriet. I blast on Judas Iscariot and fell off in the chariot. Uh, I'm sitting pretty, spitting flames, gripping grains. Ain't a damn thing changed. How did you do it? Fine. Dear boy, do you ask a fish how it swims? Mm-hmm. Or a bird how it flies? Mm-hmm. No, sir, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. Born to do it. What you are witnessing, dear friends, is the most enormous miracle of the machine age. The creation of a confectionery giant. They say Candyman, Candyman, spit me a dream. Blow a chunk of the levee out and spit me a stream. Knock a man house down and build a casino. A $2,000 government check from Fiend. I swam down Shit's Creek and came up clean. With a new lease on life like Andy Dufresne. It's the most poetical, Nat King Unforgettable. Clarence 13X, a large rhapsody from Bellevue. I'm splitting atoms, spitting flames, bringing change. Things will never be the same. 
I got the rap game singing that last like Etta James. Lames get they plane shot down like John McCain. It's a dream, it's a dream. The flow's elegant like Miss Coretta Scott King. A lot of kings seen death and turn queen. Crack they 24-inch rims in the ravine. Respect the architect, never test the Elohim. Good night, this is JLX Live from New Orleans. Alright, peace family, we are back. We are now rocking with the best. I'm back, my brother. Yes, indeed. We're going to go straight to the callers and waste no time. Caller with a number starting with 678-860. You are now rocking with Nodalich. Peace. Peace. Hotel, but I don't hear anyone, my brother. All right, let's go to the next caller. I just want to ask the master teacher a question. Peace. Oh, peace, God. I just had a couple questions for uh, Master Teacher. We have limited time. Can you uh, possibly make it two questions, brother? No, no doubt, no doubt. The, 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 the first question I had was I was I've been trying to uh, get uh, some of our people around here in Atlanta to uh, understand the concepts of this religion thing because I know here in Atlanta I know it's you know it's the same way where you know you have your Hebrew Israelites, you have your your Christians, you know your you're more as everybody here. I'm just trying to get on a on a page where I can see everybody. I don't know, brother. Your voice, his voice just went out. Fade bro. There he is. Okay. Okay, just say. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I can hear you now, oh, yeah. brother. I just wanted to be able to touch bases with everybody and try to, you know, not trying to, you know, I ain't trying to knock everybody out of their religion, even though, you know, I know some people, you know, you know, they die hard with the religion. I just wanted to see how I can touch bases and. You know, not so-called negate everybody on their their their, uh, their religion, but just, just touch bases with them on a level where I can just get them to open up their eyes on you know, far as you know, relating to the Moors because I know a lot of the Moors, you know, I relate with them. Uh, you know, that you have your Hebrew Israelites. So I just wanted to know on what kind of level can I even, when it comes to the historical facts of our people, that's where they use their religion as an aspect of you know. Saying they're right, we're wrong, you know. So when you talk to a, a more, you know, and I tell him I'm black, you know, he, I'm black African, you know, they look at that different, you know. I just wanted to see how I can use our history to show them, you know, well, versus them all, their history. Well, 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 first of all, brother, you know, uh, you have to deal with your own spiritual center first and foremost. Okay, uh, if I use myself as an example, as a very young man and a brother Khaled, uh, you know, like I said, is one of my early teachers. Okay, in fact, it was brother Khaled Muhammad. Uh-huh. Okay, when I knew him at that time as Rashidin, uh, he uh, was actually, he almost had me in the Nation of Islam. Okay, now what attracted me to the Nation of Islam was a black theology, you know, everything related to black. I did not know what I know now. Of right. course, after making that first trip to Kemet, okay, with Dr. Ben, uh, and I came back and, uh, you know, told Brother Khaled some of the information. Uh, you know, but Brother Khaled was a very, as African spiritual brother, he did not let the whole religion thing incarcerate him in one aspect of it. Okay, but at the same time, you know, he's looking at, you know, the whole religion part and the organization of uh, the Nation of Islam. But one thing I have a high respect for Brother Khaled, okay, back during that time of the early 80s, is that uh, he opened up the Nation of Islam and let me come there to lecture. He wasn't, uh, he didn't have any problems with uh, with me uh, lecturing about the spiritual ideas and the history of ancient uh, Kemet during that time. Uh, one period I was lecturing there almost uh, every other month. I would rather call it. Uh, it's one thing I can say about him is that no matter what you were about, as long as you were about black people, as long as you were about African people, you know, that's what I saw how college saw his own spiritual center. And that's equally how I see my own spiritual center. I think uh, 
than even yourself. I think, you know, spending more time to dealing with your own yourself, okay, and try instead of trying to go back and tell somebody else, okay, they are what they are. Everybody's not going to grow at the same time, okay? okay. We, we do evolve in different things. Now, if I'm looking at somebody who's, who's in, uh, in Islam, if I'm looking at the, uh, the teachings of Elijah Muhammad, I can respect that because that's a black theology, okay? But if I'm looking at someone just coming from an Arab point of view, I can't relate to that, okay? So you're going to take bits and pieces out of which you can work with, okay? If I'm dealing with the brothers with the, who are dealing with the whole African uh, Hebrew, and they're dealing with their African Hebrew, uh, like uh, Ben Amin, who dealt with the African part of his Hebrew, you know, in, 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 in history, then I can relate to that, okay? So the same thing with if, Af- if someone's a Christian. If they can't deal with their Africanness in that Christianity, then they've got a problem. Uh, now, the different lectures that I have, I have I come in contact with many different people, okay, and I try to get them to see their own African spiritual center. Uh, and when you, once you see a spiritual center, then you can elevate yourself above this religious box. Because uh, as I said earlier, that uh, no matter what you look at, whether you look at Judaism, Christianity, Islam, none of them would be able to exist without the African spirituality of the Nile Valley. After all, look at the first people on the planet Earth, the African people. African people, as I said in my early presentation, brought the spiritual ideas to the world that others took bits and pieces from those beliefs and temples that I do in my many lectures. So that's what I try to do. Um, if you're coming in, in contact with someone, uh, I don't think you should come in contact with and, and trying to tell them something. If that's where they are, then start to where they are. Okay, if that's their space and place, then, you know, you're spending a lot of time where you can enhance your own spiritual center. In many cases, we haven't even got to our own center trying to deal with some of these other folks. Right. Uh, The other question question I had was, when the next time are you going to be in in Atlanta area? If you're well, going to be doing any lectures down here. Well, well, you know, we have these, you know, some cases you're, you're, I'm lecturing uh, one place for a long time, and then I leave that place and don't lecture for a while. So it's, I guess uh, when we open up and do something again back down there, I think the last time I was there was the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Uh, but when we do something again in that area, you know, that's, uh, you know, it seems like I'm out of the country more than anything now. I'm in England and the Caribbean more than in Canada, more <laughs> lecturing there more than in the States nowadays. Uh, you know, especially, I mean, in, in England and Manchester and Bristol and Leeds and, and London. I mean, the brothers and sisters are very fired up. And uh, and also down in the Caribbean, the brothers and sisters down at, uh, you know, Barbados and mm-hmm. and all those areas. You know, it just seems like we're going through a, uh, you know, uh, we go through these vicissitudes or ups and downs, so to say, of consciousness in America sometimes. Sometimes it rides with the stock market, you know. The stock market's down and, you know... <laughs> You know, our consciousness may go up or down, but uh, I hope to get back there uh, soon uh, and uh, and have another community uh, you know, quoting Bobby Wright, who said, you know, we've got to keep the communities going. Don't think because you're in white folks' university that you're learning something. It's only when we have, uh, you know, these lectures, these types of lectures that helped me uh, back in the uh, in the seventies. You know, when all the great uh, grandmaster teachers at that time, when many of the the uh, lectures that were going on and because it was raising the consciousness and then uh when i got out there on the lecture circuit in the early 80s and, and lecturing at the universities and so forth and whites saw a fear in this especially in the black student union when that was a pacifier and brothers and sisters were using it to liberate their minds and they were challenging the white professors that's when the attack on the african center movement took place 
so uh, that took place in the 90s and where they were uh, uh, saw the cracks happening in the pillars of white supremacy. And you have people like uh, May, Barry, Barry Mailer, uh, who did a big open letter uh, on me and Mailer. I mean, he gave me a respectful place because he got me here with Brother Collett, uh, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark. And uh, so this is a white boy who, uh, who started this whole attack, okay, on many of the scholars, okay, as well as many other white boys who are doing open letters. But the way things are going, now I'm getting uh, open letters dealing with, uh, in fact, the other day I got a black uh, open letter from a, from a black person, too, op- writing open letters, okay, uh, trying to shut uh, shut me down. But uh, we got to go forward. Yes, definitely. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hotel, everybody. Hotel. Hotel. Thank you, caller. I'm going to go to the next caller, whose number starts with 504-940. Hotel. 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 Hotel, brother. This is the Herbal Pill calling from the Washita. How y'all doing, family? Hey, family. Yeah, brother. As our quiz, I spoke to you many, many numerous of times. This is Brother Pa'atin down in New Orleans. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful thing that you're doing, man, because most people think about 2012 when we already passed 2012 already. We're about to head to 2013 now. But, uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, we even got to correct that date, brother, you know, because that's. Well, you know, let me go ahead and let you ask your question, bro. Yes. Um, I was reading the story of Legacy by George Jim James on page 39, where it was speaking about which belonged to the mystery system in the 8th century of A.D., the Moors, etc., native of Mauritania, North, at Northern Africa, invaded Spain and took them to, um, the Egyptian culture, which they had preserved. Um, dealing with the knowledge of the ancient of days. Um, the brother was actually speaking about the religion. Um, Prophet Noble Drew Ali said that when you teach a man religion, you make him slap happy. That's why you're dealing with science, which is comedic science, which you actually were speaking about dealing with nature. Right, you know, spirituality, and, right. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. also in the Washington Times of 1996, um, it said, why did the U.S. flood the Grand Canyon? They say Egyptian city. Um, reported and found in the Grand Canyon on April the 5th of 1909. The front page of the Phoenix um, Gazette featured a follow-up article in the discovery of an Egyptian artifact in the Grand Canyon. And it said the article outlined the excavation of the Smithsonian Institute and the elaborate network of tombs and passage cut nearly a mile deep into the Grand Canyon. Hundreds of thousands of items, including gold, copper, tablets engraved with the hieroglyphics, which is actually dealing hieratics, um, and which preserved mummies were removed. And the entire article is re- was repented in the work Davis Childers. It like, sounds like you're reading a long article there, brother. Yeah, and and all we, what I'm saying is we're looking over there, but we also have Egypt over here. Well, uh, keep in mind, brothers. I said in the in the earlier part of the presentation is that uh, you know we have recorded history of Nicanor. Okay, I mean King uh, Sutan uh, Nico, who commissioned his generals Hanno to circumnavigate Africa long before Vasco da Gama. We also got Abubakari, who came across the Atlantic Ocean. So yes, you know African. When we look at uh, when those Omac heads were excavated in 1936 by uh, uh, Sterling, and uh, you know prior to that they they covered them back up. And they dug mm-hmm. them back up. These are the Omac heads. And clearly, you see, these are African heads. When, when you look at the pyramids of Chichen Itza uh, and see the step pyramid, where's the prototype of that architectural structure? That's in Saqqara. Okay. Again, when you look at the Mayan tombs and you see the leopard skin, just like the leopard skin 
of the opening of the mouth ceremony that you see in the Proteta or Tomb of Eternity of King Tutankhamun. Here you see the same identical Sim priest performing the opening of the mouth, of the mouth ceremony in Kemet as you see it in the Mayan culture. But yeah, where's and that, the prototype? Where's the beginning? Mm -hmm. It's coming from Kemet. Yeah, and it's also dealing with the Jaguar clan. Right, that that was carried, but not let's not only deal with America, brother. Let's go around the world. When I was in Japan, okay, and uh, lecturing in Japan uh, quite a bit, I did a lot of lecturing back in the nineties. Here I went up into the northern part, and you see these little brothers and sisters up there with woolly hair, okay. Uh, the southern part of uh, the Philippines, okay, they're called uh, Mindanao. Here these brothers are called the Negritos. These are the little twa. At one time, this whole planet was an African planet that was mm -hmm. inhabited by the early people that our ancestors deified who were called the Twa. Mm -hmm. sort of again, uh, you know, that's why when I show our groups in the Cairo Museum, the little Twa with his fist up, I said, this is the first black power salute. That's real black power. That means there was only one power on the planet, mm -hmm. and that was the only black folks with the little Twa. Mm -hmm. So again, when you look at King Tutankhamun's alabaster, and you see the little Twa, okay, with, uh, with King Tutankhamun's wife, okay, Akasanaman, showing her way back where? To the interior of Africa, the fallopian tube of the Nile, where not only humanity, Africans came out of Africa, but they carried their culture, they carried their spiritual way of life around the world. So we see that everywhere, my brother. And not only, and not only did we build the pyramids, but we have the mother and father of the pyramids, which are the mounds. Well, uh, yeah, well that's the mounds, but you, again, where's the prototype? Mm -hmm. The prototype of those mounds go back to pre-dynastic Egypt that led into the true perfect pyramid. Mm -hmm. Those mounds that were originally led from mounds because they, they went from mastabas, which were like mounds, where Imhotep said we're going to get away from these mastaba mounds and we're going to build one mastaba on top of another mastaba, mm -hmm. and that's what led into the pyramid step, pyramid shape. Mm -hmm. But they left from that stage and went into the true pyramid. So from there, they carried that around the world. So we go to China. We see those mound pyramids in China, again, uh, for the emperors there. But where's the prototype? So no matter where you find them, you can never forget where they came from. And Hollywood, Hollywood about to get ready to come out in 2012, according to the Gregorian calendar, on the return of the mummy in South America, because they already did it in Africa already. Then they did it in China. Now they're about to come to South America. Uh, bringing a mummy yeah. to South America, you say? Yes, yes. The movie's coming out in 2012. Well, the, the last mummy they had was Imhotep was a demon and, and vilified character as the mummy. See, that's the demonized <coughs> our ancestors, so our children would not see the spiritual relationship and the heroic relationship with Imhotep and not see him as I talked about him as the world's first physician, architect, astronomer, grand vizier, grandmaster teacher, uh, so they vilify him, but yet they're not going to vilify a Moses, they're not going to vilify an Abraham, they're not going to vilify a Jesus and demonize him, but they demonize and vilify, so we got to watch anything that Hollywood does. That's why we've got to be able to support uh, uh, brothers and sisters who are trying to do the work, okay, who are trying to put out information. Now, myself, I struggle. You can't do deep thinking and research and try to pay your bills at the same time, okay? So when I put out information, I, I would hope that brothers and sisters would support and so we can continue to do this because you don't know the, the, uh, the genius that can come out of someone when they can do deep research. That's why a white boy can do the same work and they give him $5 million and say do nothing but research for white supremacy. Mm -hmm. That's why Holly Karima, okay, he can't make anything because Negro 
hyena bootleggers put him out of business. You can't do, you can't produce like that. That's why we've got to be able to have business with each other and support each other. Well, and after this, oh. I'll, and then I'll turn the floor over. Oh. Oh. we got to give respect to the other. Now we got to go, brother. We got to yeah, we got time. Line. We can go on and on Appreciate and on. the call, though, Lord. Peace. I appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Peace. Peace. All right, I'm going to tag the next caller. Number starting with 386-960. You are now rocking with the best. Peace. Peace, caller. I don't hear it. I don't hear anyone, my brother. No one. Give me one second. Q is kind of backed up. This computer's moving slow. Just give me one second, brother. Okay. Hello, hello. Peace. Hello. Hello. Yes, caller. Yes, hello. Yes. Hey, I was low, my brother. Yes, hello, Hotep. This is Dr. Valentine. Hey, Peace, Dr. Valentine. Hey, Just want to reach in and uh, give my love and greetings to you, elder brother. Uh, you yeah, how you doing? Hey, Hotep, brother. I haven't heard from you a long time, man. I was telling the brother, if you heard from me, give you my greetings, man. Oh, yes. I sent it back in terms from my wife and myself. We send you and your wife love. Oh, oh, likewise, my brother. Everything's going well with the family? Oh, everything is well. We're over there working as hard as we can. We got about 33 boxes of medical supplies getting ready to go down to Haiti. Oh, wonderful, uh, 36 brother. boxes now. We're uh, we gathering around, and uh, we just got hooked up with some JetBlue again. And uh, uh, we've been working with a doctor down there, the one who was heading the hospital that collapsed over there at Port-au-Prince. Right. And right. Uh, so, you know, that's been our, that's been our very quiet work for the moment, and, uh, you know, just things like working on the books, like you were saying, uh, trying to do the things to put out, to crank out the information, to leave a legacy, to pass right. the torch, right. and it's very right. difficult now, so yes. <laughs> we're looking for the help from the brothers and sisters, and, uh, you know, we're looking out there at brothers and sisters to help Brother Ashwa Kwesi and everybody who's out there trying to put the two and two together and, uh, you know, trying to build, and like he said, uh, this boy just raped all the resources on the planet, stole everything, and put it into his little, uh, uh, little private collections and, and, and his public displays of museums. Uh, he has all the magical artifacts, everything that belongs to us, and uh, he now can take all that time and research and, and look like he's God on earth because right. he's doing all kind of mischief every place else in everybody else's backyard and then bringing everything to his backyard making it look like everything belongs there. So. Right. Right. You know, I, I just want everybody to understand that, uh, as uh, Brother Ashbar is saying, it, it takes a lot of work to do the kind of work that Brother Ashbar is doing. In fact, Brother Ashbar, I just want to let you know, I want to get in contact with you sometime off air, uh, because when you're making your next excursion, if not the next one but the one the following on, we want to go with you to uh, Kemet when you uh, get ready to make that excursion again. Oh, it would be an honor to have you, Brother. Hey, listen, uh, I know... I don't know if you want to give your line. Uh, let me, uh, I'll give you my uh, number, and uh, we can touch base with each other. Well, what I can do is, uh, if, 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 you know, if you want to, yeah, uh, if you just want to just keep it cool, we, just, you know, we don't have to bring it out over the air. Okay, uh, the brothers will pass website, it on to me. My yes, website, you know. Yeah, KemetNew.com. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I'm going to, um, 
Yeah, okay, cool. I'll go up on there, and uh, we'll catch up with that. And yeah, just want to reach in, like I said. You too, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the front line. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. We both have been. You talk around me, brother. <laughs> hey, listen, I know. <laughs> I tried to put I tried to put a little bit of a hint out there a few, a couple of, about a year ago. Yeah, I tried man. to put a hint out there. Um, I don't know if the young brothers will tell you that, but uh, I tried to put it out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, well you know, we, you know, we uh, those who've been around, brother, as you know, you know, for years and years, you know, we know who's who and who ain't who. <laughs> that's it. That's it. See, we know Cointelpro because we used to change his diapers, you know, and yeah. now they're all grown up and got all sophisticated and can get inside and do all kind of things. They don't think we recognize the child grown up. Exactly right. That's also, right. we know what it looks like. <laughs> a lot of the young boys, young girls today, they don't know what it looks like. Right, they, a lot of the young, intelligent ones know, but right. the majority of the young brothers and sisters don't know what uh, COINTELPRO look like. No, bro. See, we came oh. through those 70s, brother. Oh, yeah. You know, we came through those 70s and know exactly when it's right in your face, brother. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a big game. You know, the, the young people got to catch up on this game real quick, brother, because they big move time. on us fast, brother. Big time, man. Big moving, time, brother. Yeah. Mm. Do me a favor, Doctor Phil. Drop that site for um, everybody to send the donations to for the uh, the Haiti relief. Oh, bless you. Okay, bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, the 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 site that everybody should go up on is Earth Outreach International. Again, Earth as it, spell it the way you hear it. Earth Outreach International dot com. Okay, Earth. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. org. Uh, forgive me, family. Uh, Earth outreachinternational.org and what it is is uh, right on there you'll see a button for donation uh, we have some pictures of us uh, the ones that we could get up there as quickly as possible because we, we were right on it as, as, as soon as it, it, the, uh, the, the, actually the attack uh, the scalar attack had took, taken place and uh, we were up there uh, trying to get our, our company and, uh, in line with uh, Yele with uh, uh, Brother um, what's his, uh, brother Wyclef, and uh, because he got so busy, we had to go ahead and do things independently and do our best. And I know there are a lot of other independent organizations out there doing the same thing. So, brothers and sisters out there listening to this incredible show, uh, if you can, just go ahead to EarthOutreachInternational.org and push that donate button. Put in five dollars. Uh, $10, and, and all you pimps out there and, and all you hustlers out there that's uh, breaking out that crystal and doing all that, drop five or $600 for a real cause this time. You understand? Uh, do the right thing. So, uh, like I said, whatever you put in. <laughs> give it you know, one more time. Earth Outreach International. Earth Outreach Great, great. Okay. All right. Now, we appreciate you, beloved. You, brother. Yes, and uh, again, I, I got a, I got a chance to peek in on that uh, one that you did when uh, when our beloved brother Aishaka Musa Barashango had accompanied you to Kim. Right, right. And you put that brother up against uh, uh, the fresco there. I mean, it was like looking at a, a 3D holographic representation being beamed from the wall right there. Oh, right. Oh, yes, on the uh, Freemasonry piece. Yes. Oh, man, that was beautiful. Yeah, he looked just like Maruka, didn't he? <laughs> Did he not? Oh, man, I, I mean, I got chills. <laughs> right. That's what I said, bro. You know, when they look at us, brother, they know, you know, that's why I said somebody knows something about us and they don't want us to know about ourselves, brother. That's it. That's it. It was beautiful, brother. Like I said, 
we're going to talk off um, off off uh, off mic, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and turn the uh, you know the, the floor over to other brothers and sisters who would love to talk to you. But again, just want to go in here. And, uh, we just want to punch in and uh, give a, give you our love and our support, and we tell everybody else to support you uh, to do their best to to uh, to make sure uh, that the integrity of the work. Uh, is maintained and protected because long after we're gone, we're going to be passing this on to people who are going to have to protect this information because they're, at, they're going to be attacking it. You know they're going to be attacking it. After 2012, you know that they, they're, going to, they're going to take down the Federal yeah, Reserve. In the 90s, brother. That's why I talk about Mailer. You know it. Mailer put an open You know it. Yeah. You know, but again, after 2012, they are not renewing the charter for the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve Charter is up December 21st, 2012, mm. okay? That's mm-hmm. the end of the Federal Reserve. That's why China is now buying up on gold and selling their citizens to buy gold. Uh, everything is about dovetailing through that portal. And if we are not consolidated in our, in our intentions and what we need to do to protect ourselves, to get ourselves and our children beyond that point, it's over. All the work that we've been doing, all the work that uh, Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark and Dr. Van Sertema has been handing on down to us, all of that is going to be for naught. So you brothers and sisters, definitely step up, definitely know what your responsibility is, and please, please support brothers like Brother Ashwa Kwesi. Uh, Sorry, my brother. It's good to hear you too, brother. <laughs> I know you're out there on the front line running from place to place, so it's good to touch bases. Same here, beloved. We'll talk off, uh, off mic. You take okay. care and, and give your queen our regards. Oh, oh, definitely, brother. Likewise. Okay, peace. Hotel. Hotel. No doubt. Okay. okay. Well, we're running close to the time here now, huh? Yeah, we have three minutes left of, stri- of streaming live. We will also have an hour where we're streaming off. If you still want to join us and continue this conversation and have the family chime in as well and ask questions, you're welcome to stay. This is an explosive show. There's so much information that's been put out, um, and, you know, there's, like, a whole bunch of hands up in the queue in terms of the family that want to ask questions. Well, we have to do it more often because there's about, uh, I don't know, there's a whole, at least a dozen things that I wanted to talk about and didn't talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Time flies to, uh, by when, you, when you're going in. Excuse me? I said, time flies by when you, you know, when you, you took us all to Kemet. Like, you, 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 you shot a movie earlier, so, you know, the time flew on that one. Oh, yeah, it went by real fast, man. I thought it was an hour, and I looked up here in an hour. That's, that's uh, 10 o'clock my time, so that's about 11, almost 11 o'clock your time. So, yeah, when you get into the information, brother, your time just, you know, that's why I said, you know, uh, Bobby Wright was right. you got to keep the community going. You know, that's the only way we can educate to liberate. Yes, uh, well, with this new uh, group of conscious brothers and sisters out here, like, we, we would definitely have to uphold this legacy. Well, like I said, brother, you know, uh, Ben, uh, back in my, my 20s, uh, you know, you never know, you know, the journey you're going to go on. I didn't imagine that, uh, you know, uh, now uh, 57 years old, uh that I would, uh, you know, return back to Africa nonstop, you know, going on uh, 30 years now. And, uh, you know, would not trade for nothing in the world, you know, for all the experience and, uh, you know, bringing brothers and sisters back, my Netra Hemp and I, you know, so you can not have it from a, an African woman's point of view, but also African man's point of view and having that spiritual law of opposites, uh, 
in her presentations, yeah. and hopefully she can come on and deal with some information that she deals with as well. And we do our annual Kemet New Know Thyself educational tour uh, annually uh, every year. And uh, this uh, we take brothers and sisters back to, you know, places where some of the places we talked about, you know, uh, so they can see how Kemet came to be Kemet and dealing the field research, as Dr. Ben said, and dealing with the reliefs and doing on-site field lectures and going places where most tours don't even go, you know, like Colobolo, you know, and you can see the pre-dynastic period and, and, uh, and all those areas and stones, okay, uh, of that early period and dealing with the monuments and temples and reliefs where even whites see us lecturing and saying, oh, we're not getting that. Can I be in your tour? No, this is a, a, a tour for African education, for African liberation. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it should be about, you know, just like uh, all others, whether one is a Jew and had their babishpa, you know, they only take Jews back to, to instill them into their culture and history as they see it anyway. Uh, so we've got to do the same thing, and uh, you know that's what our we why we have an educational program. We give brothers and sisters our book, the African Builders of Civilization, to familiarize them with ancient personalities and biographical backgrounds and everything, so they're well prepared when they get over there. And uh, that's what it's all about uh, in our uh, whole educational program. And this is uh, part of the whole spirit of passing it down. Is uh, you know many years with as I said earlier with Dr. Ben, you know and. And as he said, uh, you know, you got to do the field research. He said, Dr. Kweji, don't come over here bringing brothers and sisters cruising on the Nile and, and all that kind of stuff and sipping wine with white mm-hmm. folks and taking the lazy way out so you, you know, uh, just be on the boat and just cruising by everything and letting the Arabs run you here and there without, uh, you know, revealing the information. So that's what, this, that's what our program is all about. So one is about being educated for liberation, then that's what we do. But of course, if you want to wine and dine and just, uh, you know, sip wine, you know, then, uh, you know, you go on the cruise and do all that kind of stuff, but we're not about that. We have a good Definitely. time being educated at the same time. Well, I, I, me and my brother will be there this year. Definitely. I'm a, I, I need that. If you want to see uh, some footage, uh, they can go to our website at Kemetnu, that's K-E-M-E-T-N-U.com, and view videos. And there's on the videos to kind of give you an idea what, uh, what we do uh, on the tour and some of the sites and things that we uh we deal with, and uh, you got a brother and sister who want to become a netter hedge, a divine husband, and a netter hemp, a divine wife. Uh, we can even have a renewal, which we uh, have a union, which is called marriage today. We do that right at the temple uh, site, so uh, you know we do that as well. So uh, you know this is uh, all about uh, going back to the Tanetter land, uh, the world's first holy land, and uh, making that spirit and connecting to the ancestral spirits that's emanating from those temples and tombs, which are the books in stone. Absolutely. I have um, a question coming from the chat room. Uh, the, the sister's asking, regarding the prophecy of Tehuti, will Ma'at be restored here in the West? Will Ma'at be restored in the West? Uh, <laughs> well, right, well, just like right now, we got uh, Isfet. We got chaos in the West right now. Okay, uh, so just like any, like I said before, with the uh, with the ostrich bird that had to just lay low and time everything just right to kick out uh, chaos. Okay, and so of course you got to if it's any going to be any restoring of uh, ma'at, you got to get rid of the uh, the chaos, and uh, that's what we have right now. So I think that what we have to look at is not so much we have to look at uh, we as an African people and bring in a spiritual relationship, you know, among ourselves, and then. Uh, 
and, and, and empower ourselves with that before we can look at anything else. I think that uh, many times we always look, because of what slavery has done to us, we always look still to others to do something okay for us instead of looking at ourselves to do something for us. And I think that's how we have to look at it uh, to, you know, bring back that whole, uh, you know, spiritual uh, force of, uh, of Ma'at. But keep in mind that Ma'at was about, you know, uh, the power to restore order. And uh, that's what we've got to, we got to go within ourselves first, you know, not, not look without. Indeed, indeed. All right. Um, I definitely don't want to, uh, you know, we had a very, very thorough, complete conversation. I want the family to be able to digest what was offered thus far. We are definitely going to do a part two, part three, part four, whatever is necessary to get the word out, you know what I'm saying, and to get the information deeply, deeply embedded within the psyche of the collective family. You know, we're willing to do whatever needs to be done. Well, I've been up, uh, actually I was up at 6 o'clock this morning on a radio show. Wow. Uh, so I was up at 6 o'clock this morning doing a radio show, and uh, so I'm concluding my day with a radio show. <laughs> so, exactly. We've come full circle. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we we are greatly thankful for your presence. Like I said, I owe a, a tremendous, you know, thanks to you for just being who you are and doing what you do because it touches it touched me, and I'm sure, like I said, it's touched thousands of others, you know, our hopes are to make it touch millions, you know what I'm saying, because there are many that are coming up underneath us, the generations underneath us, that are thirsty for information. And mm. It's just intuitive. It's within them. They're stirring. They know that the stuff that they're being told is, is BS. Right, right. And so they're definitely looking for places to go to find this information out. And as long as we have a voice, we're going to let it be known that they need to look towards brothers like yourself, brothers like Valentine, as that source of information to realign themselves with their inner truths. Well, but my brother, like I, we have to give some credit to uh, to what y'all are doing. You know, keep in mind that y'all have the uh, university coming through the airways and to through the Internet. So I want to give respect because a lot of times this information wouldn't even get out if it was not for young people like yourself. Uh, you know, uh, doing the uh, airways, the blog talk radio and Internet radio, and uh, those who are out there doing the communities and setting up lectures and keeping the information going. Uh, so, you know, we have to give credit to, you know, those uh, young people who are out there keeping that struggle forward as well. You know, as, as our ancestors, you know, said, each one teach one and, you know, each one working for one, okay, uh, it works for the all. You know, that's that's how we have to look at it. So it's uh all right. I definitely enjoyed it, you know, uh, and especially when, you know, when I talk about Kush and then there's so much to talk about Kush that, I, you know, generally after a program like this, then I'm, it was going through my head now, oh, you didn't say this about Kush. You didn't say that about Kush. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's all good because it means that, uh, you know, it belittles the ancestors to think that we can tell it all in one evening. <laughs> yes, we definitely will have an opportunity um, to revisit the conversation there is one question I want to ask um, before we get off because mm-hmm. I've been bumping into this on the Internet via the quote-unquote European bloggers and their insistence with looking into um, Obama and his committed connection to 
past mentors or past pharaohs, should I say. His committee connection? They, they like to correlate him to Akhenaten for some odd reason. Who's trying to correlate him with Akhenaten? The, 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 the quote-unquote European metaphysic uh, community, the bloggers and what have you, you know, they've been throwing a lot of videos out trying to make some connection. For some odd reason, in their world, they demonize Akhenaten. They demonize Akhenaten? Yes. Okay, well, I haven't, uh, you know, I'm not on a lot of these uh, blog talks, okay, in terms of demonizing what, because he was nonviolent or what? <laughs> they got some wild theories, man. <laughs> I won't even get into it. <laughs> well, again, you know, they're going to, they want to, you know, uh, uh, demonize, you know, anyone that's coming from our African ancestral story. Now, of course, Akhenaten would not be one of my favorite, okay, of ancient Kemet, okay, if I was to look out at someone of ancient Kemet, I'd have to look at Men to Udi Mays of the 18th dynasty that won 17 battles, never lost one. Okay, uh, our ancestors uh, saw, again, it was the Sutan that, that maintained the order, that maintained Ma'at, as I said uh, earlier, and ward off chaos in Isfet. But keep in mind that not, in, you know, during the time invasions were taking place, uh, you know, did not uh, maintain that. Uh, so when you go and see the history of ancient Kemet, he was not respected as the other Sutans were respected of ancient Kemet, like Ursa Ma'at, Ratha Tepin Ra, or some of the others. Uh, so, but again, uh, even with Europeans' uh, history and so forth, uh, no matter who they find in their lineage of their history, they're not going to demonize them, okay? Uh, they're going to try to uh, uh, hold them up. But again, when it comes to Kemet, it's easy to demonize and vilify because it's not their history, it's not their story in the first place, okay, to, uh, to demonize and vilify, you know. Uh, but again, you know, Akhenaten... Uh, you know, did not uh, maintain, you know, Kemet in terms of protecting Kemet from the invasions uh, during his time. That would be my uh, negative in looking at, uh, at Akhenaten, okay? Uh, but again, you know, in terms of uh, him starting, uh, you know, the worship of Aten, which is another form of Ra, you know, he did not start monotheism, as Europeans try to say. Monotheism existed long before Akhenaten, Okay, it depends on what the name of the netter was at what period of time, you know, whether it's pre-dynastic, middle kingdom, you know, late period and so forth, you know, whether it's Batar or Amun or Amun-Ra, you know, just like in the Bible, at one point God is called El, Elohim, Yahweh, different periods of names, but they don't say that's polytheism, uh, you know, but uh, I don't know all the details of what they're saying in the blog, you know, but it's not surprising, you know, that they are demonizing and vilifying, just like Imhotep in the movies. That they that they made for our children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you did mention Menkepera. I wanted to ask you this also while you were um, speaking. On your visits to New York, have you ever visited the uh, quote unquote Cleopatra's Needle? Oh, several times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that, that's, not Cleopat- that's not Cleopatra's. That's Menkepera's Tekanu in back of the Metropolitan Museum. That's not right. Cleopatra. Right, it's dedicated to Menkepera. Right, it's Men Kepera. You know, the, the Europeans just put, you know, I mean, see, why they constantly no, I, Cleopatra? I, because of, you know, she's closer to a European time, Greco-Roman period, than she is with a Kemetic time. Right. Mm-hmm. See, and most of us think of Egypt, we think Cleopatra. We don't know anything about most Nefertari 1,500 years before Cleopatra. Okay, so, you know, that's, you know, when they put came out with Newsweek and put Cleopatra on the front, why didn't they put uh, Kanumat uh, Ma'at Karah Hatshepsut on the cover? 
Why didn't they put out most Nefertari on the cover? Because there's no Greco-Roman civilization yet. You see, when you look at Cleopatra, we're looking at the end now of Kemet. Okay. We're looking at her father. Her father is a Ptolemies. You're looking at, you know, the, you know, our grandmother may have been a Kemetic African, but, you know, we're looking at the fact that, you know, she's, you know, uh, pretty much uh, on the throne and put there by the Caesars. So, you know, Kemet is not ruling itself during this particular period. You know, prostituting herself, you know, uh, with the, uh, the Mark Anthony and pr- prior to him, uh, uh, Julius Caesar. Right. So, you I know, mean, that, no. but, yet, but most of our people, how many of our people would know most Nefertari, okay, and uh, her Netter uh, Hedge or Divine Husband is Admos the First, who kicked out the Hyksos. See, most of our people don't know that story because that story is not told in the books. It's not told in the movies. Uh, how many would even know about Makari Hatshepsut? Okay, and many of the other queens who ruled Kemet from the early, as early as the Old Kingdom, long before some Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Is there any additional information on that particular Tekken that you have for the family? Well, that well again, like many of the Tekken news that were taken from from Kemet, okay, and, and brought to Europe, okay, that's just one of the the many. Okay, that we see throughout the Western world, okay, especially the one in right there in the Vatican where the Pope on Easter Sunday comes out and looks at the, the chicken right there. And uh, there on Easter Sunday, why on Easter Sunday? Because the chicken represents resurrection. Right. And that's, and that's where the steeple of the church gets its design from. Where people go to church on Sunday and have sunrise service, they still worshiping Ra and tell you that you are a heathen sun worshiper. But yet they got the big old symbol of the sun on the church and 12 symbols in the middle representing the zodiac, all representing the sun. And most churches face the east with the techno, which our whole idea was taken from ancient Kemet. All we have, even if we look at the architecture, we look at the symbols, it's all there. And that's one of the reasons when I deal with my, you know, the, the many lectures that I deal with, I'll, I show the visual documentation so it can activate, you know, as Dr. John Henry Clark says, images shape our reality. So once we yes. see the image, it can activate that African reality. As I said, the genetic memory bank. It can activate that. But if, you're, if we're constantly watching pictures produced by Europeans, demonizing and vilifying our story, it's impossible for you to see your own divinity. So the whole objective is to destroy your divinity. You cannot see a divine representation. It's only about deifying their image in our psyche. Absolutely. One more question I have. Is there a difference between Amun-Ra and Amun-Re? It's just a, a, a matter of saying it. And keep in mind, as I said before, when I said the language of the Medumetra, okay, uh, that the Greeks call the hieroglyphics. It's the language of Mutnetch. It's the language of nature. So, as I said, I would say it's Ra because it's coming from what they're observing from nature, the roar of the lion and how they saw the lion in his mane flared out and how the sun rose in the east. That was Ra. That's why you got Ra, Horm Akit, the largest colossal on the planet Earth, okay, in the form of a lion's body but the human head looking to the east as, the, as Ra rises in the east. So I would say it's more of Ra. See, Europeans always had these weak terms, okay, Ray. Like when you look mm-hmm. at, at Khufu's a pyramid, they don't, they didn't, they, they didn't call it Khufu when the Greeks call it. And they called it, they called it what? 
Cheops. No, say mm-hmm. Khufu. I'm asking you to say Khufu. I'm asking you to say Khufu. Khufu. Okay, well, anyway, I'll say Khufu. Khufu, that's par in the name. Mm-hmm. When like you say Cheops, that's weak. Cheops. When you say Khufu, when you say Khufu, there's power in the name. But yet they call it, okay, Shifrin. Okay, when you go to Mikora, okay, they call it Miserinius. So the same thing with Ra. They don't want the power of an African deity, Ra. They say Ray. See, so you got Titus and everything they do. It's a very feminine way. They take away the power out of it and feminize it. So a brother's mm-hmm. name is no longer Osama'at, Rasab, Tepin, Rawa, Mesomoriyaman. So today we get the name Willie. How can you stand 360 <laughs> degrees of a living perpendicular with a name like Willie? <laughs> it's weak. Even Obama, it even is. Obama. When he, you know, uh, uh, went back to Africa, he didn't want to be called, you know, his name was Barry before Barack, you know that. Barry, Barry. He didn't want to be called Barry anymore because it was weak. It was feminine. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be called Barack. Power in the name. Lightning. Right. So instead of Barry. So that's where you get Ra, and they call Ray. (laughs) See, Ra is power. Ray is weak. One more before we leave for my researchers who are out there. They wanted me to ask you this. Is there anywhere where they could do more research on the great Imhotep? Well, keep in mind, we cannot research everything within our lifetime. There will be many, many generations that are going to go by. that are going to come and go and still not know all there is to know about ancient Kemet. Mm-hmm. It is said that what you see on the surface, that that's not even half that's under the sand. Yeah, her 20%. Right. See, so, again, you know, it takes one, you know, uh, this, you know, in terms of the field research, you know, it could be the whole new generation of them field research. That's the reason why I, I run two and three miles a day, do pull-ups, push-ups, exercise strong so I can stay in the field as long as I can with brothers and sisters and doing the work. That doesn't mean that brothers and sisters come over here, okay, it's strenuous, it's going, no, no, okay. See, uh, you know, being in the field, lecturing and and so forth and lecturing in the hotel, there's a lot of energy doing that. All brothers and sisters got to do is relax and look at the information and see the information. And uh, at the same time, I would like to see the same spirit, okay, in a young brother that I had when I was with Dr. Ben, when uh, he stayed in the hotel, and I was in the field. Mm-hmm. As time does go on, and during the field and the hotel, you know, that's, you know, it, it slowly that'll, you know, as time goes on, you know, I'm going to get older as well. You know, so it's going to be hard to do, to, to, to do both, but I enjoy doing the field and many years researching the reliefs and studying the reliefs and going over there on my own and, uh, and uh, preparing information to show the groups that will come. That's where I spent most of my time doing, okay, going on 30 years now. That's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy uh, revealing the information to the brothers and sisters and doing the comparative analysis where they can see without question that you're walking through the book. These are the books in stone, you know, and uh, let the ancestors speak uh, to us. In some cases, some of the middle nature will pull me to the relief for some reason, and I have to come back and study something for, in some cases, a couple years before I can see it and pull it together in the form of a presentation to translate it to the general mass of brothers and sisters on the lay level. 
So it's a lot of time. It's a lot of research. And, uh, you know, I don't expect all the brothers and sisters to know the journey that I've been on. You know, it's my own journey. It's my mm-hmm. own story. But it's, it's been a story. You know, it's been a journey. And uh, just like uh, many of the other grandmasters, teachers that, I, you know, Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark uh, have told me their stories and their journey of doing this themselves, you know. And, uh, and now here I am, uh, now uh, getting gray and, uh, and got my own story to tell, you know, about this journey. You know, uh, we're talking about the... Uh, the ups and downs and the struggles uh, trying to do it, you know, and, yes. uh, and, and, you know, and, you know, even, you know, uh, maintaining a family and, and everything, you know, trying to, you know, to do this here, you know, but it, it takes a great Murray. It takes a great love to, you know, to uh, continue and, and treading through, you know, all the things that you have to, you know, tread through to do it, you know. Yes, so, sir. We, we honor you for sharing that. We encountered a brother this summer who just came back from your trip, and he came to New York. What's the brother's name, Phil? The, uh, the brother from California, the rapper, The Matrix? Jason Williams. Yeah, he yeah. was supercharged. Well, that's, that's Very much so. we're doing our job, brother, when, you know, to bring, and I see that spirit, and, and that's what we look through, my, my nephew Hemp and I. That's what we look at, to see that spirit of that light come out of brothers and sisters. And we know that when we see that, we know we've done our job. You see, and that's, uh, you know, it's a great spirit when you see that that's going to be a light that no one can turn off. Mm-hmm. Because in seeing that light in a young brother, I see my own light. You know, I see myself, you know, Definitely. and you know that you're doing the right thing. You see, and even though you go through trials and tribulations in, uh, in doing this, you know, but you, you, you know, life is a journey, you know, and we have a limited amount of time uh, here to do it. And so we places, you know, yeah, I got to ignore a whole lot of stuff out there just to keep on this journey, to keep on this path. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're saying this is my last questions, but I got questions in the um, chat room that I didn't get a chance to ask. Brother asked, uh, was the hieroglyphic secret priesthood language that the masses were never taught? You know, we've heard this from the European, you know, that it was a secret. There was nothing secret about it. If somebody picks up a book and they've never been taught to read, is there a secret? No. No, it's not. You just don't. You just haven't learned to read the read the book. Mm-hmm. But once you learn how to read, you can read the book. You see, just like the Medunetra on the temples. Okay, if if you're not studying that Medunetra, this thing now, do I know the Medunetra? No. It, it belittle thousands of years of the culmination of this, you know, writing system. You have pre-dynastic, as I said, we go to Colobolo, you see pre-dynastic writings as I take the groups and showing animals and giraffes and elephants that once lived in Egypt to show that this was not always a desert and showing the early Medunetra writing and then the old kingdom. Because in some cases, you have the, milk, the, uh, the new kingdom couldn't read the old kingdom. That's how much time span went through. But when you look at the new kingdom, there's a repetition in the information. One of the things that I try to bring out in the Medunetra is things that we use today that were plagiarized from the Medunetra, okay, and, and, and ideas in some of the writing and, and bring it forward. Okay, like, uh, like for instance, Ursama Atra's name, okay, it says Neptui. Okay, Neptui, Ursama Atra, Septepan Robert Mesumari Amen, Sarah. Now, what I just said, he was the lord of the two lands, okay. Septepan Ra, he's chosen by Ra, or meaning chosen by God, okay. Ursa, the power of Ma'at, truth, justice, and righteousness under Ra, God, okay? 
So he's, okay, Ramesu, he's born of Ra, he's loved of Amun. What all do we see and hear in that? Lord. Here's the Christians mm-hmm. took Lord. Septepen Ra, chosen. This is where the European Jews get God's chosen children from Septepen Ra. Okay, we also hear in the name, okay, Murray Amen. Amen. We still say at the end of our prayers, Amen. Sarah, son of God. So in this sentence, royal name, throne name, you see all the concepts that Judaism took, Septepen Ra. Christianity came and took, you know, Europeans came with their Western version of Christianity and took ideas from Lord, Sarah, son of God, like vultures, each took something. So that's what I tried to break down in the Medunetir, ideas like that. Because there's so much, it, it, one person cannot study everything about Kemet, but some people have specialties, okay? With, like uh, Sister Raketi, okay? She's, she's a specialist in studying the Medunetir. That's what she has dedicated her, her life to. I think she's at Rush University right now. That's what she's studied her life with, okay? So, you know, there's so many different areas that, that one can, can deal with in, uh, in terms of dealing with this African Nile Valley civilization. But so when you talk about a secret and this and that, with European, you know, I mean, it's all about, it's just like a physics. If you pick up a book on uh, a, a nuclear physicist, if you know nothing about physics, then they can open the book up and say, yes, yeah, a secret. You know nothing about it because you, you have not studied it. No one has taught you anything about physics. Just like the English language. Some of us speak English, some of us can read English. But you know there's some English out there that even though Mm -hmm. you can look at it, that you don't understand that there's codes in it? (laughs) Yeah, it looks foreign. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that's how we have to to look at it. But the one thing that we definitely can say, that long before there was Aramaic, long before there was Hebrew, Long before there was Arabic, you have the African Kemetic Medunetir. It predates all of that. Paper gets its name from the papyrus, the books in stone, carved in stone, pyramid text, coffin text. You've got the writings up and down the Nile. And there's going to be a time, and I hope to come, our final emancipation of our mind is going back to our ancestral Taneta Holy Land. What is so sacred to us? That if someone desecrated, we'd take their life. Go over there and try to urinate on the on the welling wall. They'll take your life. Mm-hmm. Go and urinate on the Kaaba. They'll take your life. But here you have the greatest structures on the planet Earth, like the Step Pyramid of Imhotep, the Pyramid of Khufu, Kafra Menkera. Mathematical science that they still can't figure out that was used for building these structures, but yet anyone can go over there and desecrate it, because the people who built them. Are now we are now oblivious to who we are as a people, who are the master builders of civilization. And as Carter G. Woodson, considering that this is uh, Black History Month, as Carter G. Woodson says, if a race has no history, if it has no worthwhile tradition, it becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world that stands at being exterminated. So that means if we have no tradition, ancient tradition, we have no history. This is what causes a people to go into extermination. And we're dealing with the zenith of civilization in Kemet, and we we concentrate on Kemet mainly because we got proof and facts that are in stone. 
but the culture is also in the interior of Africa as our ancestors is extracted from their own empirical observation of Mother Nature or Mother Nature itself that developed our spirituality in relationship to life itself that became the mystery system. Proper name, Shishata system, that the, that the Greeks called it the Mysterion. Wow, this is I'm 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 truly 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 honored, man. Like I'm truly indebted to you for breaking all of these because you you just broke so many spells tonight with this show. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm I'm honored. I'm honored to just have you here. Well, it's an honor yeah. to be on your show, brother, and it, uh, and it's honored to you know to have uh, young uh, young warriors like yourself. You know this uh, see the importance of uh, having a show like this. I know sometimes I I get into a running pattern, and uh, and some people call me to be on radio shows and log tops, and and I'm just running so much that I can't do it. But uh, fortunately. Uh, or it could be unfortunately for D.C., but I was actually supposed to be in D.C. this weekend because of the snowstorm. I was snowed out. So uh, I've had more of a rest this time because I, I didn't go out. Uh, you know, it was generally I'm coming in to go right back out. So now, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just you know, preparing because, you know, it's not just Black History Month for me. Uh, you know, my schedule runs all the way up until the end of May, and I stop and do our educational tours, and then I start our lectures back up in in September, and then run all the way up until uh, the end of December, and then go to Ethiopia and stop and pick it back up for February. So, I'm glad that uh, there was a little break here that I could take time out and, uh, you know, uh, you know, be on the uh, the program with you, and and hopefully in the near future we can do it again on some other areas because there's so many areas to cover. You can't, you know, cover it all in uh, in one time. And in fact, uh, we need a a couple lifetimes to deal with everything. <laughs> so. But well, as long as you motivate and somebody can grab something from this and take it to another level, you know, I mean, and, and go in and, and create and and, uh, and above all create and, and bring some things on another level for us to look at. And that's what it's all about, you know, uh, and saying, okay, I've opened up my genetic memory bank and this is a whole other area, as I said, you know, the African uh, uh, civilization, you know, that covers not only Egypt, but the, you know, the whole of the African continent that we have to deal with. When those boys got together and uh, Cecil Rose and they created the round table group, you know, mm-hmm. what was their objective, okay? Their objective was uh, to take over Africa, you know. I mean, Cecil up. Rose and the Rothschild was, you know, to literally, you know, to take over Africa, you know. So we, if we're going to have uh, be Masons and so forth instead of being Masons and cops and police for white folks, okay, to come out to destroy some of our own people, then why can't we have create a secret organization for the liberation of African people. After all, that's what Prince Hall said. Mm-hmm. You know, back to the Masons back during our time, our main objective and purpose is to the, uh, the freeing and the liberation of Africa. Well, that hasn't stopped. To restore. Mm-hmm. Right, right. To restore it. Oh. Right. That's, so that's still going on today, you know. So we, you know, but again, you know, we're still being the little dogs, okay, for white folks, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they say sick them, here they, you know, here they come. You know, so we're either still deifying Europeans and worshiping their image, or, or still being uh, their uh, their police force to uh, stop uh, any time anything progressive. You know, just just moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we're still caught in this matrix, brother. You know, uh, you know this matrix well, of the white supremacy spider web. <laughs> rest assured that the seeds that you have planted, that Dr. Ben has planted, that Dr. Valentine and all of the great scholars 
these seeds that you you you've planted around this earth, they're growing into mighty oak well, trees. Well, I'm part of that seed, my brother. Yeah, I'm part. Of, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm part of that young man as well as the. And believe me, this uh, from twenty uh, from my early twenties when I early first started to now, it really looks like feel like it's only been a few years. It doesn't seem like that. You know, it's been all these years of going by, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it. Could be a good thing to look at it, but when you look at time going by so fast, you say, "Wow!" <laughs> when you look up and realize, uh, you know that uh, you know time goes by so fast when you get into this, because you really, you literally get in a time warp. You, know, you, you do. Really, you really do when you get into this in, this uh, this information uh, about our ancestral knowledge. You know, you, you transcend time and space, literally. Because mm-hmm. it's false. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I was reflecting the other day, and I came. I went through the same thing. I said, "Wow, this is amazing that that this amount of so-called time passed, and and you know, I could I could look at it and remember it vividly as it was yesterday." Right. So, right. That's right. You no, know, <laughs> this is a beautiful day. You know, what I'm saying I definitely, you know, I'm honored. Like I said, this is a definitely beautiful day, and please believe. That they, the people who tuned in and the people who are going to tune in to the archives will be taking this knowledge and we're going to take this to the forefront. You know what I'm saying? We're going to put this on our backs and we're going to carry this to places that have never seen it before. Like they say with the Starship Enterprise, going to places no man has never gone before. So this, okay. this young generation that's out here, we, 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 we ride and dying for this. Mm. You know what I mean? We gonna. This is our life. We don't just study this. We live this. This right, is in our right. veins, and, you said and our DNA thing. has woken up. Right. You said the key thing. You're living it. Yeah. This is our lives. Right. That's that's the key thing. So it's been a great honor, my brothers, and I really appreciate the time that we've had together. You know, to uh, disseminate and to educate, to liberate, and I look forward to the. Uh, to the near future to doing it again and hope that my schedule uh, will permit this, to, which I'll make time for my schedule, will permit time for uh, to do it again, in fact. So uh, we got to physically, physically get you to New York, you know what I'm saying? So we, we, Yeah, United, uh, United African family. Movement, uh, you know, like I said, there's been an attack on the whole African-centered movement and uh, all the institutions, not all, but many of the institutions around the country when that attack happened, started in the, you know, it actually started, it goes way back, I mean, you know, for uh-huh. different periods of time, you know, whether it's Martin attack on Martin Delaney and many of the others and uh, uh-huh. who are out there on the forefront, you know, uh, fighting for, uh, you know, Denmark B.C. and many others and coming all the way up to our time, you know, with the grandmasters that we've talked about, Dr. Chancellor Williams, Dr. Ben, Dr. John Henry Clark, and, you know, many others, and, and this has been going on and so we see the same attack on the African-centered movement from the 90s, you know, uh, wow. yes. especially with 1990 when, when Newsweek attacked Dr. Jeffries and and then the Jews come running out and, uh, you know, and all this type of thing and attacking all the people who are in the forefront, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, this thing has been going on. You know, it's not a, it's not new, you know. Uh, so we have to realize that uh, this battle has, has been going on for some time now. Well, indeed. Watch this work, work out, magic, because they can't stop us. No, no, no. We just got to keep, keep, keep moving forward, brother. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. So I look forward to, uh, you know, we, you know, I, I know I'll be up in the kinetic region. I'll be in, you know, in uh, Cleveland, and uh, you know, next weekend in Philly, and you know, probably I'll be quite a few places around the country for Black History Month, you know. But uh, unfortunately, uh, 
I'm not right there in New York, but uh, uh, hope to get back there, you know, uh, real soon. Mm-hmm. Did you say Philly? I'll uh, be in Philly uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Mm-hmm. And if I go to your website, I'll be able to, you know, just find out all of the different places well, that you'll be you know, at. Sometimes, follow. You know, yeah, because sometimes, you know, the way I'm moving sometimes, brother, I don't put everything on the computer. If I have time to put right. it on there, my wife, put, you know, will put it up there sometime, you know, and, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times I don't even put stuff on there, man. You know, a lot of times, you know, yeah. it depends on what this, you know, where I'm at with it. Because I'm not, you know, they're trying to turn this like the last poet says, automatic push button, remote control, synthetic genetic <laughs> control your soul. You know, just have you just locked into technology all the time. You know, so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, next door. Yeah, we next door to Philadelphia. So what we're gonna do? Well, I can give you the number. I can give you the number. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll tell you what, just call me back, and I'll give you the number and the contact and everything. I got to get you that cell number. Yeah, because I have to look it up, right. and I don't want to take time now. But if I, so give good. me about five minutes. You know, I have to go get the number, and then uh, by the time you, you know, you give me about three minutes after we, then I'll get the information for you. And All right, anybody else is interested in coming, you can let them know. Uh, you know, I'll give you the brother's number and everything. You know, I, I have it in another part of my office, but, you know, I guess you just got to go get it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So just give me three. Yeah, call me after we hang up. Give me about three minutes and call me right back. No doubt. Definitely. All right, family. So we're going to call it a night. And it's like I said, you know, we're truly honored. This is a classic right here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure that a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm burning this CD and just giving it out at the train station. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the people need this. They need this in their lives. So um, no doubt, you know what I mean. If if there's one more time, just leave the website. You know what I'm saying uh, for every if people who want to go on that trip. Okay, the, our educational trip this year is July 11th to July 25th, 15 days, and you can go to Kemet New. That's K-E-M-E-T-N-U dot com, and you can download the brochure and the reservation form. We'd be you know, and if uh, you need to uh, be mailed out the brochure to you, if you don't have the Internet access, I guess you do to be listening to this anyway. But uh, you can call direct 214-371-0206. But uh, all the information is there. And if you can't make it, we try to provide uh, live information and footage uh, where you can see uh, some of the things that I'm uh, breaking down right there in the field research with the temples and tombs with uh, some of the footage uh, uh, on our web page. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So we uh, then Ethiopia. We do Ethiopia in the winter. We'll have the brochures ready for Ethiopia probably uh, oh, about late May. But Egypt, uh, you know, we're you know that that's ready right now. Okay. Uh, coming up. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, my brother. Looks like we got the red pill and the blue pill out there a little bit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. No doubt. All right. All right. Okay, so uh, yeah, give me a call back and I'll get that information for you. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Now. Okay, my All brother. Peace. Peace. All right. Okay. Hotel. All right. So there you have it, family. You know what I mean? Hopefully, you know, this is what y'all wanted. This is what y'all needed. And um, like we say, stay with us. Sign up to the site, www.knowthelegedmedia.ning.com. And um, everything that we're doing, you know, all the, everything that's going on will inform you through that site and whatnot. 
so nobody's left out. All right? And with that, I say peace. Tune in Friday. That's our next show. Peace. Anything, Blue? That's it, you know, just informing the people that um, none of this would be possible without the family. You know what I'm saying? And everything that we are doing is for the family. So please, you know, don't um, don't spread the word, spread the information, use the link. You know what I'm saying? Don't let this information just fall on his face and say, oh, that was a good show. You know what I'm saying? Like these shows are random. Like they just, you know what I'm saying? Like these shits happen every night. They don't. So mm-hmm. make it your priority to spread this information. You know what I'm saying? Put your friends on. Put your family on. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It's critical, uh, life-altering information within this particular program that the brother just came and dropped on y'all. There's a lot of information in the archive that's critical and life-altering. You know what I'm saying? These are things that will actually, actually snap people out of their spells. So it's going to take, you know, the people that, that have the baton to pass it. you got to get up in the communities. You know what I'm saying? You have to get on these quote-unquote social networks and do the right thing. You feel me? Don't use them as platforms to launch nuclear attacks on people. Actually use them as, you know, forums of which you're exchanging information to empower people. If you're not on these things, empower people, then you're wasting people's time. You're just, you're giving the Cointel Pro people laughs. You're just giving them giggles. You know what I'm saying? So utilize your time in the best way. Utilize your energy for renewal and resurrecting, you know what I'm saying? As the prophet said, uh, uplifting a fallen nation. So that's all I got to say. Peace. Peace, y'all.